Hey everybody and welcome to this 12th roundtable discussion produced by Transparent Media Truth. This episode was recorded on July 28, 2020. Our guests on the discussion today are representatives of the Freedom Law Movement, which seeks to embolden individual rights by delving into legal history to find its roots in protecting free persons from all manner of criminal activity, including the criminal activity of governments and other organizations which seek to separate such persons from his or her legally defined boundaries. While the notion remains controversial, those who engage in such research have discovered that much of what constitutes the modern legal system has strayed far afield from these initially noble roots. Much like corporate media and corporate medicine, these researchers have discovered a corporate legal system which seems to serve the interests of the upper classes while relegating the once unalienable rights of much of humanity to the dustbin of history. Just as independent journalists and doctors discover a paradigm much different than their corporate counterparts, so these legal researchers have uncovered a legal history that is much different than most citizens are aware of. Listen in as Dean Clifford and Derek Siroka explain the complex world of legalese and uncover the variety of ways governments and corporations have twisted the law to their own ends, and how state citizens have given up many legal rights without even knowing that it happened. Dean Clifford is a Canadian who became well known for putting out videos pertaining to the notion that governments did not have a claim over individual sovereignty and therefore could not enforce laws for nonviolent offenses, including paying taxes, gun registration, and driving infractions in the absence of a real liability. There was only one caveat. In order to claim such freedom, a sovereign individual must be able to prove in court that they did not consent to participation within the government's legal system. This meant living without any form of government ID, and even renouncing his certificate of birth. Eventually, Dean was pulled over for a seatbelt infraction, which resulted in a court battle that lasted for years and ultimately led to his serving 16 months in jail, including 28 days in solitary confinement, though he was never actually convicted of any crime. Dean is currently organizing an intentional community out of Canada called the Earth Stewardship Cooperative. Find out more at earthsc.org or on the Dean Clifford YouTube channel. Derek Siroka went down the legal rabbit hole when he inherited a house after his father's death. During the process of engaging in a title transfer for the house, he discovered that the deed was written not like a title of ownership for an individual, but more like a trust, where his local township was named the beneficiary. This legal sleight of hand allows the state to collect property taxes as the beneficiary of a trust, rather than allowing an individual to claim sovereign rights through land ownership. Further research revealed this sleight of hand was the same trick used by feudal monarchs in Europe to claim title to vast tracts of land and relegate the populace to a peasant class with recourse, at best, to the rights of a renter. Derek was able to petition the government to change the deed to a title of ownership, and is now attempting to liberate his entire county in Michigan in the same way. You can find out more about Derek's work on the Derek Siroka YouTube channel. I am your host, my name is Doug McKenty. Find out more about my weekly interview podcast, The Shift with Doug McKenty, on Facebook and YouTube, at McKenty on Twitter, or at theshiftnow.com. As always, I would like to thank producer Rob Rubin of Transparent Media Truth for putting this together. Find out more about him and view all the roundtable discussions at transparentmediatruth.com or on the Transparent Media Truth YouTube channel. 
Stay tuned for this discussion between myself, Dean Clifford, and Derek Siroka. Hey, everybody, and thanks for listening to this. This is the 12th Roundtable Discussion produced by Transparent Media Truth. Today, I have got uh, Derek Siroka and Dean Clifford, and we're talking about the common law movement, essentially, this notion that uh, people can use uh, historical common law in court to defend their individual rights based on the Constitution. So it's a really heady subject, actually. I've been enjoying kind of taking a deep dive in terms of my research. Um, But let's get into these two guys' experiences, and I'm actually really looking forward to hearing them kind of talk back and forth, because there's a lot of different angles and a a lot of different ways to approach this subject, and uh, I'm sure their experiences are different enough that uh, we'll be able to learn a lot just from letting the two of them kind of hash it out, too. But why don't we start with you, Derek? You want to just give people a quick synopsis of your situation and how you got involved in learning more about this issue? Sure. Appreciate it. Uh, so I'm a United States citizen. I've served 12 years active duty with the U.S. Army. Um, I did five deployments to the Middle East while I was with them. Uh, after that, I had six years as a reservist. And then I moved back to Michigan to be with my family at that time because the reservist is only like a weekend uh, type of type of job. And then while I was there, I inherited my family's home after my father passed away. I took over all the responsibilities with that. And I noticed that the U.S. constitutional rights that I had fought for all those years were not being honored by the local government, um, whether it's through the state, county, or the township. Um, I got cited with the township on a zone ordinance infraction, and I challenged it in court on the grounds of personal jurisdiction, and I won it. Um, Then I had later discovered that the the local county was operating as if they, as if they or the state of Michigan owned all our land and our houses, Um, and that's what gave them the power power for taxation. Um, So. I immediately entered a, a civil complaint in the federal court challenging um, their due process violation because I, I had found out how they did that, and I can go into more detail here in a minute. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to get back our U.S. civil rights for, for everybody. Uh, this is just one step in the big storm of legal things we have going on across our country. Um, hopefully others will join in and help out with that right now. Like I said, I got a federal complaint filed, civil action against the state of Michigan for their, uh, the ways they handle property taxation. And right now, it's the summons is being delayed. It's supposed to go right to the governor, Gretchen Whitmer. It got delayed because COVID-19 came in and shut down the courts for a while. And now they're trying to, you know, spin everything back up again. Um, I tried contacting the case manager who works for the judge that's assigned to my case. And no contact with that person, so I'm about to go a step up higher to whoever the uh, supervisory council is for the judges. And, um, yeah, that's about it for me. That's where I'm at, and I'll, I'll hand it off. All right, Dean, you want to give people a, an idea about what you've been doing and why you got into it? Uh, I think more people remember a lot of what I did back in 2010 and 2013 when I was very vocal, very online, uh, very fighting back against the system, uh, trying to wake people up to what was going on back then. I guess it wasn't bad enough, so a lot of people didn't want to listen, but there was enough that did want to listen to what was going on. Um, 
So uh, my first experience, as I have stated in a lot of past videos, uh, was with my initial fights against Canada Revenue Agency going back to starting with 1997, which was the last year I filed income taxes in Canada, uh, to my battles with them through the early 2000s, 2000 to 2003, where I basically got rid of CRA altogether and I've never heard, about them, heard from them ever since until more recently when I started chasing them. Uh, they don't want to talk to me at all um, with me trying to chase them down because I got some some questions for them regarding my uh, my legal person. Uh, I kept quiet for a couple of years. I spent uh, four years in jail as of 2013. Uh, I got black bagged from a Howard Johnson in uh, Canada where we were having our conference there with about 250 attendees where we had voted to create our own new private government with a constitution, get away from Canada, become self-governing. Uh, that was when the uh, Ontario Rope team stormed the place. We had CSIS agents uh, that were uh, attendees in the crowd that jumped up to try to steal my laptop and a bunch of other kind of stuff. So that was a really, really interesting one. I basically spent the next four years uh, either in solitary confinement or being abused in the court process uh, while in custody, being denied bail, uh, mm. any amount of bail, because I was deemed uh, the largest terrorist threat uh, to the Canadian government or to the to the government of Canada in Canada at the time. So... Uh, my background is I'm a contractor who just uh, kind of had enough of this shit, started learning things. And before long, I became the biggest terrorist threat in Canada. So I thought that was interesting. So to, after I got out of jail, um, again, they, they had more than 120 charges against me. In the end, I beat all but 12. And they literally told me in the courtroom, you're being convicted whether you're right or wrong because we can't have people continuing to think that they have rights. Uh -huh. um, you know, and listening to you wanting to pursue this. So bye. they gave me 39 months in jail for four $50 finable offenses, longest sentence in Canadian history uh, for something I have the right to do in the first place, but they couldn't beat me on any other charges. So did my time on that, got out. I spent the last two and a half years just kind of quiet to myself, learning, progressing, doing a lot of things more privately now, creating a private society, rebuilding my company. I'm back bigger and better than ever and i just started within the last two months starting to make myself accessible again to certain people because i think it's time that uh there's a there's enough of a wellspring now of people that are really starting to see what's going on uh that it's time that they're you know the reception is there now people are really eager to find a way to, to do something better and it seems like the appropriate time to kind of get back in the mix again yeah, I mean, this is a fascinating conversation. As I was doing uh, research into this, I, I mean, I, you know, I read some of the articles that were, uh, you know, against this movement, and it's like whatever you guys are doing is scaring the crap out of the system because <laughs> uh, you become public enemy number one right quick. Um, I, I was reading all kinds of stuff this morning about you know, just trying to say that you were going into court, that all you wanted to do was not pay your taxes or not pay the money that you owed to the bank. And you're going into court and you're feeding them a bunch of pseudo legalese that nobody can make sense of. Um, but yet when I am doing research into what you guys are talking about, I mean, it really actually starts to make sense. Um, why don't we just give people, you guys are, are probably better at this. It's such an expansive uh, concept. Maybe Dean, you could give people uh, maybe the basics of the of the sort of corporate person or the straw man, and then I'd like to get into the history of the kind of common law versus versus corporate law or maybe admiralty law. We'll see what you guys think about that. But you want to just kind of give an intro to what you're talking about, Dean? 
Yeah, I can uh, I can correct some some patriot myths or fallacies that a lot of people are still operating off of as as to what we're doing. I, I'm kind of not really promoting a lot of the stuff that we're doing right now unless people actually want to join up with our little private society that we're getting together because mm-hmm. uh, I really feel the time is here now to to create a breakaway civilization and we're screening people and vetting people and we're going to make it like any other private society, you know, in the last 2000 years and that's um, you have to earn earn your way through the ropes to, to become part of what we're doing. And that, that's when you learn uh, the stuff that's taken us 15 years, 20 years to learn and four years in jail. These are all hard lumps kind of stuff. And unless people are willing sure. to put in some time and effort to help us with what we're doing, you're not going to find out about what we're doing because it is uh, it is having so much of a profound effect. But here's some fallacies I can clear up. Um, straw man. Well, I've heard that one a long time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, even uh, even common law, actually, some of the fr- a couple little you know telegram videos that I put up, and just a couple little silly things, just you know within the last couple of years, just to, to put a couple of things out there. I've been really trying to steer away people from common law recently as well, too, because we've really been lied to about what what common law really is. And uh, uh, when I did some of the research back into the into the common law origins, which people are saying, oh, that goes back to Magna Carta, that goes back to this, that goes back to that. Uh-huh. They're not doing the research properly because all it took was a quick search through the late 1800s to find out what a barrister and solicitor is, which is what most licensed lawyers are. And you find out that there's two differences in the, in the, the, the two different law systems that uh, were existent in England in the mid 1800s before the, the uh, um, what the hell was it there? The... Uh, Shit, I'm gonna have a bit of a brain burp, but I'll come back to it. But there was common law and there was uh, equity. There was two different law forms that were operating at the same time, and they were both completely contrary to one another in how they dealt with issues. And of course, equity was based on its merits. And the common law system, um, which is actually what we now know as acts and statutes, um, that's why I'm trying to get people away from the common law. I think this movement was hijacked long ago by barristers not wanting to lose their positions and got people into courts demanding common law jurisdiction when they were already in common law jurisdiction. And that's the problem because the common law operates off procedures and forms. And that's what a barrister is. When you see a lawyer that says barrister, he is a master in the common law, which means procedures, paperwork, and not one ounce of equity, which means if you're in that jurisdiction, you're already fucked unless you know the proper procedural defenses, regardless of whether or not your case has merit. Common law is the jurisdiction you do not want to fucking be in. That's what has people in jail. And that's what got me into jail. Because when I stopped talking about trust law and equity, I had beat everything. In the three years leading up to when I finally got arrested, I had some bizarre shit happen. Um, you know, you spend 28 days of solitary confinement charged with uh, I can't remember if it was 12 or 13 counts of assault a peace officer, resist arrest, a bunch of other stuff. And I'd get in there and I'd start talking trust and equity. And next thing I know, 10 o'clock the next morning, I'm, I'm, I'm being released with all charges dropped. Like there's just no explanation for any of it. It huh. wasn't until I started the common law bullshit and bringing up common law in the courtroom that I saw the first smiles from some of these judges. And that was the last time I saw the light of day for four years. So common law is not the jurisdiction you want to be in. People want to be researching equity and commerce equity and commerce and trust law those the world operates on that and again that's uh equity is based on the merits of a case based on substance based on your status based on what claims you may or may not have based on your standing whereas common law is entirely within the realm of procedure and filling out forms and if you don't know the proper form or procedure for a defense 
you will lose automatically, which is why you should use another lawyer who knows the proper forms and the proper uh, procedures to follow because that's all common law is, is forms and procedures. There's no substance to it at all. Uh, people can bring fake claims against you under common law. And if you don't know the proper procedural defenses, you will lose no matter how fake their claim against you is. And you can research all about that. Hmm. So that's where I'll get rid of some of those fallacies. So I'm sure. really directing people away from that. Um, and one thing they want to read when it comes to this is some of the stuff I can talk about is we'll point people to the Judicature Act. I think it was 18... 73 1875 the judicature act in england where they basically it was the the the, the conclusion of a 25-year study into to, to what was wrong with the legal system at the time and the opposing jurisdictions that existed at the time where someone could lose in a court of equity and then walk across the street and file in a common law court uh and basically win a case they, they just lost in equity and then you have two different law systems that operate at the same time so as a result of this big 25-year study that they did, they consolidated all the courts in England and, of course, everything that operates under English law, which is Canada and whether people like it or not, the United States still follows British courts, British law, a law society, lawyers out of, uh, out of the downtown uh, corporate district of London, the one square mile of downtown London there where the, the lawyers and the barristers and the bankers run the world. It all still operates out of there. Um, so they can read about the Judicature Act where they said, okay, listen, we're going to consolidate all the law systems under one umbrella and we're going to make equity the king and we're going to make common law or statute law subservient in every way after that. And there's even, you know, uh, it, it's stated right in the Judicature Act, I can't remember if it's article, it was like article 9 or article 11, where it speaks about equity and the common law and it says where there's a dispute between the rules of equity and the rules of the common law, the rules of equity shall prevail every single time which tells you equity supersedes the common law and then once you read into what equity is you find out why that's the case so now it's a matter of whether or not you're able to access your equitable standing in the courts and he recognizes that and then we get into the problem i just heard about where the states these individual what is it the state of what state of where where are you battling right now over property taxes in michigan derek okay so it's the state of michigan Mm -hmm. um, yep. It's always amusing when people think they have rights because we're trained or, or taught our whole lives to believe there's this constitution that uh, that protects our property rights. And then when push comes to shove, we find out we actually have no rights and people don't understand why. And I mean, we can get into the, 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 the dispute between, you know, uh, uh, the, the state of as opposed to something state, you know, Washington state versus the state of Washington. We got two different two different political jurisdictions overlapping one another. You got the, the real United States that operates in the background under the constitution, uh, the organic constitution. And then you got the fake lookalike United States that operates like a, an onion peel over top of that. Um, that is all under the district of Columbia act 1871. I believe that's a district of Columbia act. Mm -hmm. And that's when the constitutional uh, Congress uh, adjourned signed die for the very last time. It's never, never been back. There's never been a real Congress uh, in session since 1871 because they adjourned signed die after passing the District of Columbia Act, which is a corporate lookalike operating under the Congress, where a corporate identity was created for all citizens, where in exchange for accepting this corporate citizenship in a democracy, you have voluntarily surrendered and forfeited all rights to the state. So you actually don't have any rights at all. 
So they've got you thinking you still exist in the one United States as a republic where you have rights and property rights, where you're actually a corporate citizen in the new United States, uh, 1971, through the District of Columbia, Washington, D.C., where you forfeit all that. You actually have none. You have no standing. You have no equitable claims. You have nothing. And they don't even need to tell you that by by. Uh, identifying as one of their democratic citizens under this corporate democracy, um, you've surrendered and volunteered all your rights away. Because as we, and you know, people, have, oh, Dean, no, I never pledged to that. And I never promised to do anything. And I never gave a pledge to this or promised or signed a contract. There's no contract. That's not the way the law works. The law says you are whatever you identify as. Isn't that the, you know, the biggest proof of this whole new LGBTQ movement is all I have to do is identify as a woman. Mm. And bam, the law recognizes me as a woman, right? Despite the fact that I have a dink and a couple of balls hanging between my leg, right? So if you identify as one of these citizens, you filled out paperwork that one of these citizens are required to fill out. If you file a social insurance uh, uh, return through your social security number or in Canada, a social insurance number, you've identified yourself as one of these corporate citizens, essentially without getting into more detail we'll just leave it at that um and therefore because you willingly identified as such the law sees you as such so the law operates as if you've done what's required to become one of these which is willingly forfeiting and surrendering all your rights to the state which is actually communism so congratulations uh all americans under the corporate democracy via the 1971 District of Columbia Act are actually living completely under communism, which one of the planks is the, the state owns all the property. You have no rights. You're a renter. You pay your property taxes because you're a renter. That's it. So that's my spiel on that. That's some of the stuff I can correct almost immediately, and we can get more sure. into that kind of stuff and, and remedies if people want and whatnot. But uh, I'll leave you guys with that for a second and let you blab for a little, and we can talk about whatever you want after that. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's so interesting because like, uh, I mean, as I got into researching for this, like, again, I had sort of a bare bones knowledge of this, um, but I could tell that it was a lot more complicated than what I, you know, what I have come to understand. And so it's great to be able to talk with uh, both of you and, uh, you know, be able to kind of refine some of these concepts so we can understand what's, uh, what's actually going on. Derek, do you have some thoughts on this? Uh, yeah, I take it. On, uh, I guess if I go off, off Dean's uh, way he puts it, it would be more of a common law approach. So I do have a lot of answers that do use the court forms, that do use the procedures. That's the way I'm going about doing it. And because I did it that way, I exposed the, the county courts here, which are you know slightly less than the states. Um, I exposed how when they go after your property taxes, they don't sue you as an individual. They sue the property itself. And that property doesn't have constitutional rights. So if you're not legally present in court, you don't get constitutional protection. That's what in personam versus in rem jurisdiction is. Mm -hmm. In rem is against property and personam is against the person. So I went in there. I got the transcript of me talking to the judge, everything. I said, I've got no room here for motions. Uh, representation. I can't even get a lawyer if I want. I have no jury. I have nothing. You're not giving me any due process. And my prosecutor's sitting right over there with an attorney because he obviously doesn't know law either. He needs help. And, you know, the judge is just like, well, this is what we've been doing for so long, you know, blah, 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 blah. And he still extended me time, whatever, because I told him, I'm like, let me get through federal court so I can prove that you guys are not honoring 
our U.S. constitutional rights. And then I'll come back and finish this case. And, uh, and I thought that he had agreed to that. But when I reread the transcript over again, he kind of was like, no. So they, they kind of dicked me over. If you notice, sometimes judges talk real quiet, real low. So, like, you can't even hear. Only the recorder up in front can hear and is typing shit. So right. what you think you heard in court might not be the right thing, right? But, you know, I got my spiel. I already put it into federal court. I don't care what the county court says. I can railroad them all day long just as bad as they get me. Um, right. So the owning property is so huge because when we founded this country, like I was there, but, you know, Americans, um, they knew that in order to escape feudalism from Catholic Church and the monarchs of, of all the European countries, they needed to own the land and not let the government own the land. So they they settled it. And then by their permission, the government was allowed to exist. But once they lost that right to own the property, they lost the right to be in charge of the government. So now the, we are working for the government instead of the government working for us. This is what happened right at the time of the Civil War. So before you said your 1871 uh, act that created D.C.'s little district, um, we had our Civil War, 1865. That's the pinnacle time everything changed in the U.S. Mm -hmm. That's when our land patents that we used to have that George Washington and uh, um, Hamilton set up for us through the U.S. Uh, Patent Office we lost our right to have those patents. All the states were like, we're no longer honoring those federal land patents. You got to get title of land through us. And when we started doing that, we got lesser value titles. It don't even show that we're the actual owner of the land. It just shows that we received something from somebody else. You know, it's, it's set up like a trust. It really is. It says grantor, grantee. And if you want to look at the third party, there's a notary stamp. That's your township right there. That's three parties on one document, all claiming to be part of this one cycle for one property. So that's like a trust or trustee beneficiary. If you think about it, your township, county, state is always going to benefit no matter who is on that property. They don't have to work. They ain't got to do nothing for it. They're the beneficiary of that trust. The trustee, me, if I'm the one that's occupying that land and using it, I'm fulfilling the same role as a trustee. I'm not really the owner. I'm just doing all the work. And then the trustor, the person that created that agreement. So it's the previous tenant that gave it to me. And that's what they call you on a property tax bill as a tenant. They don't call you the owner of anything. Wow. You know? Yeah, it's messed up. So these are all things you got to really hone in on and look at because they'll call you a homeowner all day, but they won't sue you in court when they're ready to come get property taxes. And I even emailed the other attorney that was prosecuting me back saying, if you want me to pay these property taxes, have the judge write an order in my name ordering me to pay the bill and I'll do it. And I'm like, but you can't do it because <laughs> you didn't summon me to court. You don't have the power over me. So you have to be sued in order for somebody to take money from you. Otherwise, if they don't do that, they don't have the right. They can't do it. Every time you get a traffic ticket and stuff like that, you're not being summoned to court. That's just a citation. And they try to plead with you. They try to plead you down. Hey, take this deal. It's going to be so much better for you, right? Tell them no. Go screw yourself. You know, you want money from me? Sue me directly. Send a summons. 
tell me what I violated, what law, all that. And then you can challenge jurisdiction. You could get a lawyer. You could get a jury. All that comes with it. And when's the last time you've seen a jury in a traffic court? You know, right. never. Yeah. Because nobody knows this. You're not being summoned and your rights are not with you unless you are. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just amazing these days how few people really have respect for property rights. It's not something that's that's taught, but this is what, you know, revolutions like the American Revolution were fought over, this ability to separate your, well, it basically creates a boundary between you and what the government can do. Uh, and, you know, in the case of the American Revolution, of course, we're dealing with a system of feudalism, what the king can tell you to do. Um, and I guess what I'm seeing is actually... Like there's almost been these two vying types of law, the one law that's pushed by the feudal backers, the feudal system, which is now, and, and kind of correct me if I'm wrong here or whatever your perceptions are about all of this, but uh, I think we can trace the, the idea of the corporation, these transnational corporations back to feudal Europe as well, where you know they had the East India Trading Company and they had these companies, initially they started uh, with kings trading with other kings, and they were corporations. And then, in order to fight back against, you know, this this feudal colonialism, uh, individuals would start to demand uh, property rights. And then, so it seems like there's a, a at least, you know, somewhere in the history of of the legal system, there's a, it's set up to protect property rights, but that these feudal and now corporate influences have been sort of chipping away constantly over the last couple of hundred years, I think, as you say, the Civil War was probably a really big turning point for them uh, in order to get a lot of uh, a lot of those powers back that had been taken away from from the feudal system uh, in the 18th century. Dean, do you want to talk to this? Am I am I on, in the ballpark um, here? <laughs> is that is yeah, that? Yeah. Well, actually, I, I think a, a big part of the problem i mean i could get into uh, the answer to a few of these kind of things and uh, yeah he's uh you know derek's absolutely right about in uh you know in rem versus uh, in personam jurisdiction mm-hmm. people have never even heard of that they don't really understand the problems that they're in when they're speaking in, uh you know speaking in court um and uh you can absolutely win in common law jurisdiction using the proper procedures um and you don't even need to have any substance arguments if you know the proper procedures um, so that you can absolutely win in that regard, because, again, most of these lawyers actually literally are so untrained um, that, the, you know, 95 percent of lawyers are actually uh, to the point of being incompetent in court. They're just so used to you not knowing what to do that they usually win by default while we're in there making, you know, ridiculous claims uh, uh, about rights when you're in a court that has a, and you're in a jurisdiction where you have no rights. You have none to begin with. So you've got nothing to, to stand on that. Property ownership, I was just taking notes as he's talking. Sure. Property yeah. ownership is the most fundamental concept here. And a lot of people really need to understand what property ownership actually means and really research into this and why they want to get private property away from people these days. Um, uh, not to be confused with, with, with uh, you know, the whole man, I'm a man versus a corporate person argument. That's mm-hmm. absolute patriot myth garbage. We won't even get into that. But uh, people need to understand that property means more than a chunk of soil. And there's a definition in the Supreme Court of Canada for the word property that that is really, really telling. And it's really nice for people to read to understand what it means when you say property ownership and what happens when you lose your property. Because property means a right of any kind or description, whether corporeal or incorporeal. 
right? So property is a right of any kind. So your rights are property. Yep. It's not just a chunk of soil somewhere or a car or a pen or a co coffee cup. It's your rights, a right of any kind and description, whether corporeal or incorporeal. So it means your thoughts, things you would normally patent as ideas, that's all property. So when you forfeit that all to the state, allegedly, according to them, and you never correct that presumption, you don't even own your thoughts. You own nothing. It's right. all state property. And it's all held in trust, which is why I'm glad you got into a little bit about trust uh, trust law, <laughs> because there's way more remedy available to, uh, to people in trust law. There's, there's almost no remedies available at common law, which is the whole reason. If you read through the Judicature Act, the reasons for the decision they made were that it was quite simply, there was more than 50 failings at common law where you simply have no remedy. There's no remedy. It's the worst jurisdiction ever. And people want to get out of that instead of playing with it. Um, and that's the other problem is, too, is that now a lot of people don't realize when you try to bring another jurisdiction into a common law court, the jurisdiction where a charge is originally brought is the jurisdiction that the court maintains at any level. It doesn't matter if you go to the Supreme Court of the United States. It doesn't matter what level of court you go. The jurisdiction derives from the nature of the charges that were brought unless you can formally get that recognized and change saying, hey, whoa, no, no, we got a problem here. That this is not the correct jurisdiction. I won't proceed in this jurisdiction because I have no remedy at law in this jurisdiction, you know, and there's ways to get it moved over out of common law, especially that's where your defenses are. Uh, not only defenses, but that's where you can go on the attack. That's a whole other thing. Um, big problem here. Actually, I'm glad we touched on the fact that uh, uh, we, we work for the government allegedly under this new system. And you just got to look at the quote by Ronald Reagan of what a taxpayer was to realize that what you're recognized as in that system is a civil servant who never took the civil service exam and received no paycheck. That's what the definition of a taxpayer is by Ronald Reagan. And I think they tried shooting him two weeks after he, he went public with that. He was asked what the definition of a taxpayer is. He says, oh, it's easy. That's a civil servant that never passed a civil service exam and doesn't receive a paycheck. That's what a taxpayer is. Two weeks later, I think that's when that, there was that attempt on his life. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Uh, plea deals where, oh, yo, take a deal. Just take a deal. Take a deal. Uh, oh, my God. I used to get that endlessly. Why? <clears throat> deal with these people. You waive all the liability for their crimes against you. You waive all liability for everything they've done to you if you deal with them at all. And you reach a deal, uh, you know, where, okay, well, just pay a $50 fine and, uh, you know, we'll call it even. Um, you've waived any recourse against them in that deal so that they're now safe from uh, you know, an indictment or a lawsuit for their violations of your rights. If you came back after them and say, Hey, you made a false claim against a false identity under a false jurisdiction, you know, knowingly, uh, can't do that because you, you, uh, you have a ceasefire with your enemy. You came to the negotiating table and you brokered a ceasefire and now there's no liability. Mm -hmm. So, uh, after that, uh, the other thing I can say is, uh, the biggest problem with all of this is the lawyers. Kill those motherfuckers. Um, there's a reason the United States was free up until, you know, in the 13 colonies when lawyers were not allowed. And as soon as we started allowing them back in, you got they take hundreds of years, if need be, by stealthy encroachment to, to get themselves back into a position of power in any society where they slowly change the laws, pervert the course of justice. And why do you think all lawyers are politicians and all politicians are lawyers now? Right. With the exception of Trump, obviously, that's another conversation. But these fuckers get themselves into these positions of authority. They get voted into office. 
they're writing, or, or if not a lawyer that's sitting in office, the people writing these bills and the people writing these new legislations and the people writing these new laws, they're all fucking lawyers. They're all part of the law society. It all goes back to England. It's all part of the control mechanism put into place to slowly over generations change the laws, change the meanings of words, change everything until you don't know what's going on and you get tricked and fucked out of everything. That's what lawyers do. That's their purpose. Um, kill every fucking lawyer and this world will change overnight. Of course, kill the people running them too if you want. You know, uh, Kill Rothschild, kill Soros, kill Rockefeller, kill those motherfuckers if you want to change things on this planet. Uh, secondary to that, we all need to just wake up, right? I'm against rioting. I'm against violence. I'm against any of that kind of stuff. Uh, maybe except when it comes to pedophiles. I don't know. But you know what? Lawyers need to be removed from power. The 13 colonies had it right. No fucking lawyers. Anybody that wants to start a new private society or wants to fix the society that's going on right now, pass a law removing all lawyers from office. Get the fuck rid of those scumbags. They are the entire problem with all of this. Their entire purpose is to fucking lie, change the meanings of words, pass these laws that incrementally remove your rights from you over the course of two, three generations while everybody's being dumbed down in a fucking never-ending stupid public education system. Um, like These are the problems that need to be addressed, not just learning our rights. The fact that all this shit's going on now, and I'm glad you brought up the fact that, oh, now we got court delays because of COVID-19. Oh, we can't have access to the courts because of uh, a fucking magical flying unicorn virus that doesn't exist that's not even killing anybody um we know there's no virus what there is is there's fucking panic at the level of people that are waking up and they've shut down government offices to deny us the ability to start to, to be doing the things we're doing right now with regards to status claiming our rights getting these trusts together and doing all the proper paperwork as to accessing the courts properly because they know a lot of people have now woken up and they are fucking terrified and don't know what to do they shut down the government offices. We had the same problem up here in Canada. Government offices we used to be able to walk into and get documents authenticated same day for a $12 fee is now a six-week waiting list where you got to mail in, you got to wait for shit. Why? COVID-19 is the excuse we get every fucking time. Mm -hmm. We can't access anything now. And whether it's a global reset or they're, they're changing the system because too many people woke up to what's going on, I don't know. But that's a lot of the reason behind this stuff is they want to make sure that we can't access the courts. We can't access these government offices. And they're trying to prevent people from reclaiming their, their birthrights and, and moving themselves out of that corporate citizenship and moving themselves into the proper jurisdiction they want to be in. Um, so that's, that's kind of where things are at right now. Uh, as opposed to what Doug said there with the, uh, the corporations, uh, East India Trading Company, um, I've got the... The, the privilege of learning firsthand more about that by being in Canada, because um, Canada used to be the uh, Hudson's Bay Company, Hudson's Bay Trading Company. Uh, this used to be Rupert's Land. It was all given to the Hudson's Bay Company by a grant by the Crown. Um, it's never changed. The Hudson's Bay Company became the gov federal government of Canada. Um, so we've got corporations posing as governments that are not governments that still are subservient to uh, Queen Elizabeth II. So, you know, in, in Canada, we got the same thing. We got, uh, you know, I, I used to live in Manitoba. So we got the city of Winnipeg in the province of Manitoba. You know, so we got uh, city of Winnipeg, um, uh, hang on, uh, in right of Her Majesty the Queen inside the province of Manitoba, in right of Her Majesty the Queen, which is part of Canada, in right of Her Majesty the Queen. Canada is 
uh, a political organization, a corporation created under, you know, at first the uh, British North America Act, I think it was 1867, revised in 1982. Um, our constitution is scheduled B to an act to amend and rename the British North America Act, which is our constitution, which is not, it's a corporate charter is what it is. Um, so schedule B of that under the Canada Act 1982, which is an act of the British Parliament. I try to point this out to people and they're going, oh, yeah. Canada's independent. I said, really? Your constitution was an act of the fucking British Parliament. Right. It has a minister in Britain that's responsible for the Canada Act. It supersedes anyone in fucking Canada that we voted into office. How the mm -hmm. fuck could you possibly think you're free or you got your own government? Like, what is wrong with you people? But you can't wait. You can't wake these dumb fucks up. I tried. You know, you beat yourself. It's like smashing your own dick with a fucking hammer endlessly until the government finally has enough with you and they just throw you in jail for a couple of years to discredit you. Oh, look, he's wrong. He's in jail. Oh, well, fuck yeah. I feel wrong now. Right. Yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah. I mean, Derek. Oh, yeah. Corporation that? of London. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, the Downtown Corporation of London is the head of the beast. That one square mile of downtown London known as the Corporation of London where all the bankers are, the lawyers' guilds, everything operates out of there. That is fucking uh, ground zero for this bullshit. Um, uh, the reason they call him Mayor Rothschild, M-E-Y-E-R, Meyer Rothschild, you know, back in the late 1800s, that was Mayor Rothschild. He was the mayor of the Downtown Corporation of London. Queen Elizabeth herself is not allowed to go there unless she's been invited. And or she has to ask permission to go there. It's not part of Britain. It's its own independent city state. And that is ground zero for all this fucking garbage. So that's where your corporations are. And every corporation is a subcorporation of that all governed from that head office at the Corporation of London, downtown London. Well, and that's just what's so fascinating to me. I mean, you bring up the issue of Canada, but it's essentially the same thing in Australia too, right? And then you have, it's an entire British Commonwealth. So then it's like, okay, there was British imperialism and then we're all taught oh you know eventually you know in, a, in the united states we had a revolution and then you know canada broke away and australia broke away and now there's just this little island of, of england and then all these free countries all around the world but legally like you're, you guys are talking about and this is why i think what what you're on to is you know scares the bejesus out of these guys because when you trace back and you look at the history and you look at the laws that were passed and the organizations, these corporations that are set up to, to uh, you know, manage the empire, the British empire, then it's like, well, when, when did the, the colonization end? Like, actually, they're all still connected legally. These corporations are still using these same systems that were feudal systems hundreds of years ago, and they're still feudal systems. It's still the same people at the top of the... So we have a mythology that, oh, the American Revolution happened, and, and maybe there was a certain amount of freedom that happened. You guys' argument would be by the time of the Civil War, the British basically figured out how to take that back. And then we became, once again, here in the United States, part of the same colonial empire, not, not really legally separate from the British crown in that way. Um, well, I can caveat on that. Yeah, yeah, go ahead, Derek, please. So our legal system, for sure, and our financial system, absolutely. Um, you know, the, like Dean was saying, the, uh, the, the center town square of London has the ends of court. That's where those were originated at. That's where our lawyers in the U.S. have to go in order to be, you know, deemed, uh, uh, you know, legally responsible to be an attorney in the U.S. for most states. 
I know for state of Michigan, absolutely you got to go stay in a court. So at the London Square, they have the Inner Temple. That's where the origin story is. The Knights Templar came up from, you know, France after they got excommunicated out of there um, and, and fled and everything helped set up that. So that was kind of a place where they started having secret meetings. You know, you start having medical professionals, legal professionals, anything to try to concoct a new story, a new, a new power. That's where that came from. So if that is the legal training we're getting that got passed over to the U S and all the attorneys, it's getting hooked into the same system. And England got bought out by it too. They're not free from this. They fell to the same story. You know, they fell before us. Uh, but right. The thing is, is that all these ends of court started getting established in the U.S. directly after the U.S. Civil War. You can go look any of them up when they when they came about. You're going to get tripped up at one point where it's going to say um, Lincoln got his uh, bar membership or his his got to stay at his in a court um, before the in a court was even established in Illinois. So that's what it says in his Pulitzer Prize-winning autobiography, but it doesn't match actual history of when the building and the establishment was made. So, you know, this shit is being covered up and concocted to, to just lead everybody astray, and that that harkens back into your uh, your public education, man. I mean, what has anybody been taught about how to handle yourself in a courtroom, how to handle problems of jurisdiction, um, you know? let alone rights. I mean, you if you know one, two, three, that's probably all you know in the U.S., you know? But goddamn, four through ten are the most important ones. <laughs> I mean, right. it's good to have freedom of speech, but when you get hauled into a courtroom and treated like you're a ward of the court, you don't know how to speak for yourself, um, they're going to railroad you completely. It's a for-profit business. The quick in and out. They even have a thing called Rocket Docket. That's what they usually do in drug court. Get them in. How'd you do? Great. Here's your next charge. Get out. Next. You know, sure. that's how they treat people. And drug court, uh, I'm not sure if they use impersonal jurisdiction. They might. But but the way they handle the courtroom stuff is ridiculous. You know, just, you don't have a jury. You know, you may have a legal rep or whatever, but there's still very little, little crossover. Um, these attorneys that get trained by our huge, illustrious law schools that we have, most of them set up by Jesuits, um, have to do with stare decisis, okay? They're used to whatever a previous ruling was by a judge. That's law. That's case law. We need to follow that. That's a precedent, which is not true because the judicial branch cannot make law. We can reference it to help us make a decision in a case that's hard to you know, argue or get a resolution out of. But attorneys are so headstrong on thinking the judge is king shit. You know, we can't go against the judge. The judge says this, the judge says that. I personally closed my own case. I dismissed it myself without even having to step into my courtroom. That was for the township. So on the court forms, they had no signature line for the defendant when I was putting in an order for the court. So I drew my own line across. Defendant signed it. Now under my authority, because you haven't established personal jurisdiction over me, I now, through my personal jurisdiction in that court, close the case under my power. And it got close. And I got all the money back that they charged me for that case, too. So it is. it does work. 
You have to know how to use power. And you know what? Dean actually taught me this years ago. He doesn't know it. But uh, <laughs> he was one of the just the trailblazers, man, at the beginning, I swear. Uh, it was probably right when I first started looking into the property tax show. I'm like, who is this crazy Canadian up here talking about all this? We have power in court. We can do stuff? No way. There's no way. You know? Um, it took a couple more years of just more research and looking up in the history and how things got concocted. I'm like, God damn, he's right. He's right. And I did it. I exercised it myself and it worked. And now I'm enforcing it to the state level and to the federal level because it is true. It does work. People got to stand up for themselves. Um, I personally separated from the state of Michigan. You can do this. I no longer claim a state citizenship. I still retain my federal because I need that federal court to kick the state's ass. You know, if I don't have the federal court's power, the state can railroad me and the federal could be like, if you're not a U.S. citizen, get the hell out of our country. You know, we got plenty of different agencies that can handle that. So I went back to an office that we have where we get our driver's license called Secretary of State. Some have a Department of Motor Vehicles, DMV. Um, that's where we set up our contract with our government, our local governments. We apply for this identification, and then that binds us to all the laws of the state, gives us a number, all this stuff. So I went back in there. I said, I no longer want your services. Here's the card back. And they punched a hole in it saying void and gave it back to me. They're like, it's yours. We don't want it. <laughs> and I'm like, unregister all my equipment too. I don't need, I don't need your rules for my property anymore. I'll use it according how I feel. And if I get in an accident with my property, that person can sue me for damages. That's still a real thing. I don't need state governments licensing me and putting rules on me to tell me what I need to do with my property when somebody can just sue me if I hurt them. Mm -hmm. Right. You know? Yeah, I mean that's that kind of system's always it's worked for me. Is just to be able to realize if you if somebody feels wronged by you, then you sue them and then you work it out. I mean that's or or they sue you. You know why do we need this overlay? And that's kind of I wanted to ask you, Dean. It seems like there was a lineage or a system of law. Like there's some good in it. Like you guys can tap into this. The fact that it you know the the laws have to. Uh, respect that you do have individual rights because at some level or at some time in the past there you know there must have been a system that was set up that was based uh, in this essential concept that people own property and they kind of sued each other you know based on when whenever they felt like their rights had been infringed upon and then that system has been sort of corrupted I guess is the best word by this corporate system or you know at first maybe i mean it seems like it goes back into feudal europe where there was the conflict between you know the people and the and the and the aristocracy um but it's almost like this same you know this same battle is still going on in the courtrooms every single day except most people just assume that the the kings the aristocracy won the battle legally and they're just getting processed through a system uh based on these old old feudal rules but again, you know, somewhere in all this legalese is 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 you know a, 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 a like a force for good, right? You do have individual rights somewhere, and these are what you guys are exploiting when you do walk into court and you do stand up to the judges and the current system and work with that. Can you just kind of describe, you know, where historically that comes from? What it is that you're tapping into that allows you to be successful? 
Um, I'm going to change people's perspective on this a little bit with what I'm going to say. Okay. Um, a lot of people don't understand. I mean, actually, what, what's interesting is most of the videos that made it onto the internet in 2010, 2013, the interviews like stayed in a very particular type of uh, uh, informational set because people were only interested in one thing back then. People didn't understand there's 90% more to what we're doing than just the stuff we used to talk about. A lot of this fits in right now. And so... Um, it's interesting. I used to call people NPCs, you know, uh, seven, eight years ago, I was referring to the general public as NPCs, non-player mm-hmm. characters. And that's just becoming a popular term now. And that's, uh, right. this is what I'm going to get into is a bit of the crux of the problem, because especially in, in Canada, uh, we never had, um, a, a war of independence like the Americans had, which means you guys actually had, uh, for at least a hundred years, some actual freedom and real property rights before it was all hijacked again. Canada doesn't have that history. Canada comes from a history of we've always been property of the crown uh, and we'll always be property of the crown unless. So the Uh perspective I want to change everybody around to now is not viewing it as we need to go back to something where there was something back there that was way better that we lost. Instead, let's think about this as there's actually been a progression of law on this planet. I'm not even going to say it's a bad thing um, at all. In fact, there's unbelievable remedies available to you now and this is a great system once we learn how to use it this is where it's going to get real fun so really when you start out with life and you start out and you're born and the birth certificate is issued um really you're like in world of warcraft with like your level one character and most people never leave there they stay powerless they stay ignorant they stay weak they think there's something great to go back to where their rights are enshrined in the Magna Carta or something like that, or in the United sure. States, it's the original constitution, right? These are just starting places where you, you should basically be educating yourself and leveling up your character as you go through the game here by learning law, learning how to claim your rights um, that are basically abandoned until you do certain things, um, which is where we are right now with everything. And we're having way better success than we ever had even back when I was still doing just equity and trust law in the courts, right? So I'm not trying to go back to this common law or back to the Magna Carta mm-hmm. or back to, um, uh, fuck, uh, what should we call it here? Uh, um, you know, the Bible and, uh, you know, uh, I'm a, I'm a, uh, a creation of God, a flesh and blood, the natural law, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. you know what? Holy Fuck do I hate that argument. That that (laughs) stuff has nothing to do with law. Nothing. Okay. I don't give a shit if you're a seventh dimensional being of light. I don't give a fuck. These, these, these patriot myth kind of things that are out there. That's one of the worst ones. And I like beg people. I'm like, please don't do that. I mean, that was 15, 16 years ago. We were toying with that idea. Um, that doesn't enter into the realm of, of the law system at all. Right. So really we got to look at everything as, you know, you're starting off with a blank slate and you've got this character you can build in this system that will gain all the attributes you want it to have no different than any other video game, because that's what the, what the legal system is, right? It's commerce. It's a game. And we have a character that represents us in that game because they can't trespass into God's jurisdiction they created a whole separate game called commerce to take us out of that where everything is just a representation of the real world. It doesn't actually, uh, it doesn't, it isn't actually real things. Everything is a representation of something, you know, by way of a title or something else where it describes the property, but it isn't the property. They're never dealing with the property itself. They're dealing with a title document that describes the property.
property, their commercial system equivalent of it. So this is where I'm saying, really, the big failure is, is our inability to actually evolve with this evolving law system on this planet that binds them just as much as it does us. And I have 100% reason to believe that because I've seen it. I've mm-hmm. seen, they don't just show up and say, no, fuck you, you know, shoot you, or just say, yeah, you know, you're funny, you're a slave, bye. Um, no, it, it actually, I've seen the real results and you've seen people just go, oh, fuck, like, you know, now this guy knows what's going on. I'm bound by the same rules of commerce. Um, it really is a good system. So we need to evolve and educate ourselves and learn the rules of this game and learn the rules of the game at least as good as they do, because it's not hard to learn the rules of this game, at least as good as lawyers, because they're some of the dumbest, most ignorant, stupid motherfuckers you're ever going to run into in life. The only thing stupider is a cop. Um, so, and yeah, I use stupider on purpose because it's not even a word. They're the only things dumber than a lawyer is the fucking cop. You know, any retard you can find that believes he's got super magical unicorn fucking powers because you give him a badge and a gun and all of a sudden he is the fucking law. Like, that's a whole lot of stupid. You got to be careful with these people. They are that fucking dumb. Mm-hmm. And people that dumb and that ignorant are capable of very dangerous deeds. And that's what they do. Um, so... You know, no, I'm not a whole big support the blue fan. You know, this thing coming out of the States right now, everyone's, no, you got to support the blue because, you know, they're the ones fighting the communists. No, that's our fucking job. Get the guns out of the hands of these fucking people. Arm the American people. Let them start shooting Antifa and BLM in the streets. There'll be no liberals left by fucking tomorrow. If the average everyday American had a gun on his hip the way we're supposed to 100 years ago, and when someone acts like that and loots as people are coming out of the store with handfuls of boxes you shoot that fucker you shoot looters and it's not even against the law to shoot a looter so we don't need fucking police we don't need these dumb fucks defund them altogether society would dummy up in a real hurry by tomorrow because in fact that's the only thing protecting these stupid fucks from rational human beings is the cops the cops are keep are preventing us from getting rid of people like this that are making our societies worse okay the cops aren't going after pedophiles they're fucking protecting them Okay, so get rid of these fucking assholes. Mm-hmm. There's nothing good about these people. I do not support the blue, and I don't believe we should be supporting them, and we don't need them. And all these people like uh, BLM and Antifa that are wanting to defund the police, they don't even realize that's the only thing protecting them from every, all the other good Americans out there. They would shoot those stupid fucking cocksuckers dead within 24 hours. So I think it's hilarious. I'm like, fucking rights. I'm on board with this. Defund the police. This is great. Yeah. Right? So, um, yeah, so we need to educate ourselves. We need to evolve with this, with this system, this law system, and it's all there and it's actually great. And the property protections that are there and that are available to you and that they recognize and the proper courts that are all there, it's unbelievable what's there waiting for you to use it. And they're kind of like, fuck, I I think we got one that figured it out. Some of them actually get excited because they're like, holy shit, this guy knows what to do. This guy knows what to do. And these judges are excited because they can't tell you about anything right right they actually want to help you but they can't and so when you figure it out that's interesting really yeah and at the end of the day these corporate judges and these military tribunals and that's what those courtrooms are they are they are internal private law society military tribunal type courts where you have no rights where the judges can make up the law as they go they just aren't too blatant about it that's the problem with those courts those are actually like a superior officer in the military that's why they issue an order and you're mm-hmm. ordered as a subordinate to do something by this military uh, uh, head, you know, like, a, um, and you're required to obey this. No different than when a, 
a cop orders you to do something inside of the road because you're automatically, by operational law, presumed to be a subordinate in that system, a, a federal officer, um, an officer of their corporation, you are required to obey a superior officer, which is what police are by comparison to you, right? So they don't need, um, so when they actually are mistakenly led to the belief that they are the law, in that jurisdiction, they are. They can order around a subordinate all they want, do whatever mm -hmm. they want to a subordinate, which is the jurisdiction we need to get ourselves out of, if anything. No, I'm not one of your federal citizens. I'm not one of your state citizens. I'm not one of your citizens at all. Even in the States now, the term uh, private American national or a private USA national is starting to become a little bit more known now. Um, you got to remember, just because you're not citizen, citizenship is a right, um, but it's not a requirement. And when you're born in the United States, you have the right to be there, but you also have the right to not be a part of some form of corporate government if you don't want to be. And that includes federal citizenship as well, too. Right? You can be just a national. You have all your rights. There's so many options available to you. When it comes down, it's as easy as, again, identifying as what you want to be, right? I want to identify um, shit. When I was still in jail, I was filling out uh, requisition forms, and uh, uh, I, I wanted my own bathroom when I was in jail. I told them I was transitioning to a 26-year-old gay black female porpoise, and that's what I choose to identify as, <laughs> right? So back then, I was already having fun with this system. I was seeing the way things are going. I'm like, okay, I fucking get this. I had a lot of time to think, and I'm like, all right, well, I identify as a 26-year-old gay black female porpoise, right? Like, I got fucking all the bases covered. I'm the most minority group in the world right now. I want my own bathroom. You know, you get shit for feeling stuff like that out of jail, but you're pretty bored. But really, these movements that are happening right now are exposing the corporate agenda because when a judge and these governments are having to acknowledge, okay, you identify as a woman, you're a woman. You identify as a fucking agender alien, which is a real thing now. Um, you're an agender alien. What they're doing, everything in their power to not tell you is that there's no such thing as gender because these are all legal fictions in the first place. Wow, that's kind of interesting. A, a trust cannot be a fucking male or a female. It's a trust, and that's sure. all they recognize. So they're, they're bringing about this LGBTQ movement as, of course, part of normalizing pedophilia, but also... To, to you know because they can't make a ruling that no you can only be a male or a female because they only ever see you as a legal entity in the first place a trust and those can't have a fucking gender so either they spill the beans or they make ridiculous decisions like yeah you can be whatever you fucking identify as yeah you're an agender alien all right you you're a 26 year old gay black female porpoise yep all right get the fuck in there here's your bathroom <laughs> right like it's it's exposing what's actually going on right now so i think it's great i love this shit i'm not fuck i'm going along with it as much much as i can because the more ridiculous and preposterous it gets it exposes what's really going on because they have to more do more lunacy type things to conceal what really is going on behind the scenes. So yeah, I will add as an addition to that. Yeah, go for it. Go ahead. What do you got? Uh, so like you were saying with the police, uh, what I've interviewed police and stuff, cause I have some that I've served with, you know, these guys have two jobs, army and, and whatever their other job is. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, some of them worked in the police force. So I did an interview with one. Uh, and I was like, so what gives you, the right to pull somebody over to write them a ticket like how do you know that you have the right to do that to them oh well they're in my jurisdiction I'm like well, what jurisdiction what do you mean 
well, they're in, you know, whatever town, Lansing, blah, blah, blah. That's where I'm at. I'm like, that's just a place. Explain to me how your laws are actually applied to that person. Why don't you ever check to see if they're a citizen of that state or, or you know, what type of legal binding there is, you know? And they don't have an answer for that. They're not trained for that, you know? So, and another thing that you kind of brought up about the legal fictions, if you ever notice when police have to claim evidence that they find on somebody, they'll say, I found it on his person. Like, who talks that way? How about, I found it in so-and-so's jacket in this pocket, you know, a physical place. No, I found it on his person. Mm -hmm. Now, these cops, when they, and I've been through the criminal court a little bit too, then when they fill out uh, your, the, the, uh, crap, the statement that they got to make on paper, right, they have to put it into their jurisdiction. That's how they do it right there. Now, it does have nothing to do with the physical place or where it's at. They have to say, what township was it in? What county was it in? What state was it in? And they, tr and they want to ask for your ID so they can write down that uh, driver's license number and attach that account number to their legal jurisdiction and say, boom, got it. I can write whatever I want now, right? So if you don't have, you know, you, this is a big thing too. You kind of brought this up earlier, Dean. I, I've been trying to teach everybody. There's a difference between Michigan and the state of Michigan. State is a government. That's it. It's not a physical thing. It's literally a process. You know, that's what a state is. Go ahead and look it up on Google. Look it up in Black's Law Dictionary. It'll never say it's a physical place. And so when you say you live in the state of Michigan, the only thing you're telling them is I have a legal residency in that jurisdiction. So when the cop writes on the, on the form, hey, this happened in the state of Michigan. Oh, it's already in their jurisdiction and all that. So this is something you can challenge in court. You can say I was never in the state of Michigan. Because I'm not in your government. I'm not tied to it. Prove it. Show me the jurisdiction. Show me whatever contract I made with you guys or, you know, well-knowing. We can break down the contract rules for that. You know, there's there's so much to go on. Right. Also brought this, the, if, uh, if you've removed yourself from the state via the process that you've taken to do this, then you can claim that you're out of the jurisdiction. But if you... Like Dean is talking about, if you're self-identified as a member of the state by, you know, having a driver's license and all of that, then they can they can still use that against you. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, this is, you know, how lawyers are also trained. They're trained that they get personal jurisdiction just by summoning you to court and you appear. They think that that's it right there. You know, that's literally on bar YouTube videos online. Like, this is this is it. That's all you need. Like that's, mm -hmm. No. <laughs> so here's how you counter that. When you go to court, fill out an appearance form. Okay. This is where you can say your entire legal standing. I am this person. I'm uh, a U.S. citizen. I'm a soldier. Uh, and you can tell them, uh, shit, I'm mine. I said I was an emperor. I said I'm Emperor Derek from the family of Soroka. <laughs> and all this and that. This is from the case that actually won. Yeah. You know, they have to respect you. Like, does anybody else in this courtroom have a title higher than emperor? You know, no, because my name, Derek, actually comes from Theodoric, who was a, a Ostrogoth uh, emperor that took over Rome. So, hey, I got to claim it on my form, right? That way I'm not lying. So, <laughs> right. That's just one of the tricks to use right back at him, man. Don't don't give in to their power. You know, claim it for yourself, keep it, put it on paper, 
and make them try to prove you wrong. Because they're going to fall flat on their face trying to do that. Um, yeah. This BLM stuff that's we got going on around here, really bad. They're hitting the liberal towns harder than any of the other towns that we have, you know? I mean, it's crazy. Smashing windows of shops and everything, uh, just ridiculous. Um, and a lot of that we've noticed that are, are uh, a lot of urban youth that seem to be being led by like a youth organizer, might be like a middle-aged white guy who's buff, who's kind of like patting him on the back saying, you know, go get him, you know? They all have the same like colored megaphones. It's kind of like this is a complete organized by somebody who has a job who's probably sitting in the middle of all y'all, mm. you know, right there, that one guy there. So it's it's very protagonistic. These these people behind the megaphones have very little education. They're just spout on the same rhetoric over and over these rallies. Um, but if you look close, you'll find somebody who's actually kind of behind the scenes gathering people, you know. Um, and then we had that one video of the one guy who admitted that George Soros was funding all that crap with BLM and Antifa. Uh, but yeah, our country towns here, the redneck towns, you try to go in there, no, you're going to get kicked out so fast. And they don't need police. They got it handled, you know, just like Dean right. said. So, well, you know, that, it's funny. It's funny. I was doing the research for this and I, and I had read that a lot of African-Americans are actually attracted to this philosophy because they can separate themselves from the system and they can like, you know, the, then suddenly the cops and the, and the system is, uh, they have a, a way to kind of fight back against it. So it works for everybody really. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And, uh, I don't know how long we have to talk, but I figured I should at least get some resolution that I've tried to start applying to what's going on besides my case itself. Sure. Is my big premise is the land. We got to get the land back, right? That way it takes the power away from the government. It starts mm-hmm. putting it back into our possession. So I've made my own land claim. And when I realized that land patents weren't going to be honored anymore, these stupid deeds that we have are just look like trusts. They don't look, give you crap for power. You might as well be renting an apartment. That's as strong as they are. Um, and I was like, I gotta, I gotta come up with something on my own. So I went to like the local office Mac store and got that fancy certificate paper, typed it up, declaration of land claim, and I took out the paragraph from the uh, law book that Michigan originally had before they became a state that literally described the county that I'm claiming. And I took that paragraph out and put it right on my land claim, and I said, This is me, this date. I'm doing this for this reason, sign, date, and I even put my thumbprint on it so that, you know, if anybody tried to copy it, they would have to have an elevated, raised fingerprint copy to have the actual title. So that is me claiming ownership of my entire county. This is like 600 square miles. That defeats the police jurisdiction. That defeats the local court jurisdiction. Mm -hmm. They now have to operate on my permission of them being there. So when my case kicks off, one of the premises for my resolution is they have to accept that I am the owner of the land. And once they do that, everything's going to get turned on its head. And the reason why I realized that, that the, this was before I even had that court case and realized that uh, the, the government claims ownership of land if it's been abandoned, right? And they did it at the beginning even the federal government, we had the 1785 ordinance from Thomas Jefferson 
was telling the people in Michigan, hey, if you want to have a state government and be recognized by the federal government, you need to sell your land, sell your land, and then use that money to build schools and stuff. That's literally all in law. So when they did that, they built everything, but then they kind of took away all the land patents and said, oh, nobody owns anything anymore. So I guess the government owns it now and just start issuing out deeds. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and I was like, okay, if they're going to say that they're just claiming it because they don't see anybody owning it, well, somebody owns it now. Somebody owns it right now. And I did that back in March 2016. So I haven't heard any calls from the government yet. Uh, I think I'm in the clear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting oh, tactic. I, I published it. I put it on signs. I posted it up at Four Corners. It says legal notice. And uh, I also published it in the local newspaper. So it went out for a month and a couple different publications all over the place. Lots of people heard about it. I got some responses. Uh, some were a little nervous, but I said, don't worry. You're keeping your land. You're keeping your house. I'm not taking that from you. I'm taking it back from the government and giving it to you. And they're like, okay, sounds good. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine a lot of people are going to have a problem with that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Dean, you know, I'm actually loving the idea because I had heard, um, I, I guess in, in my limited understanding of how the legal system works, you know, I, I had always felt like they had been building things upon precedent after precedent after precedent over, you know, hundreds of years or whatever. And this is kind of how you go in and argue your case, but this idea that actually, you know, contemplating it as a living thing that you're dealing with in the moment and that you're standing up for yourself when you're in the courtroom and that, you know, you are evolving with the legal system is such a cool way to think about it because I think you really do get, like, you get the power back that way, you know, instead of feeling like you're you're tied into this system and you just have to get processed through the way that they try to do with everybody, you know, having having that uh, individual understanding that it's not all set in stone, and and by standing up for yourself, you are changing the system, right? Well, I was, this is this is what's great about what Derek just said there. Uh, you know, by creating a whole new title document is essentially what he did because apparently the title, the original title, is missing. Whoever's claiming to be holding the original title won't produce it. Therefore, we have no title. And once they've refused to produce it, saying it doesn't exist anymore, and you create a new title and say, okay, well, here's the new title then, since there isn't one, they can't come forward afterwards now and say, oh, no, we were just kidding. We were actually concealing the title from you. Ugh. Okay? That's such a massive violation of trust law, they basically would have to be fucking hung for even trying to do that. Right. So um, this is... This is why I say this is the fun you can have with this stuff is they've been trying to conceal stuff and that's fine. Then we'll just create the new documents that we need. And I'm glad that he picked up on that from years ago. And I said, no, just create your own new shit then, because that's all they did in the first place. Mm -hmm. Right. We have more authority than them. They're de facto. We're de jure. We got the birthright. They don't. The only reason they even had authority was because they pretended that they got the authority from us. We volunteered it away to them. We never did. They can't back any of these things. Okay, fine. You guys don't want to produce the title? I'll fucking make a new one. Here it is. You've been served. If you got a dispute, you know, you got 30 days after that, this becomes the new title document. And it, it absolutely they know that that's what's going on. Why do you think they're so shit terrified that people are figuring this out? Right. So we got that. Um, that's the de facto versus de jure, and then just issuing new title documents. Um, I'll check both those off right here. Um, a lot of people think that the, this argument about state of Michigan versus Michigan state is a 
is, you know, oh, that's just, no, that's just, you know, wording or whatever. People try to dismiss us without understanding how really big these types of things are. And it's a very quick comparison to, to, to say, okay, Michigan State versus the state of Michigan. What does it mean to say a state of something? It, it, it's, it's of it, right? So that means Michigan had to exist first before there could be a state of Michigan, which means issuing from Michigan, which means there's something going on there where we have an original Michigan, but then we have something issued from it. No, no different than you say, I'm a son of God. There's God, and then there's a son of God. So you have Michigan, you have the original state, Michigan state, then you have something that was created by it, which is why it's called the state of Michigan. It issued forth from it. That's a whole different entity. And mm. if you're if you're operating within the state of Michigan, you're creating a little sub-jurisdiction that's been created by the already existing Michigan state. So we got some problems there. So, so nobody asked the question, well, what does that mean? What does that mean? What does that remove from me in terms of rights if I subjugated myself to the state of Michigan as opposed to Michigan state? Is one the republic, the other democracy? I have no idea. Maybe people should find out about that. But these are all questions that need to be asked and answered. And again, people that are trying to, to, to track down these original title documents, these original land deeds and land grants and all this kind of stuff, don't bother. You don't need to track it down. If you make an adverse claim on a title and no one, no one will produce the original title or the original deed, you fucking make a new one and say, fine, no one's got one. I just made one. Here it is. This is the new one unless somebody cares to, to produce what they just finished saying they don't have. Because if we, if you want to do that, we can go after some fraud now, right? So hmm. it's not the system's inherently bad. And I wish to clarify also what you're talking about there, Doug, as well with, you know, like, like about how this, this commercial law is actually quite living and it's not a result of thousands of years of precedence. What the commercial system is, is a direct result of natural law and it follows natural law. That's what equity is. And I can enunciate this to show people how this is a living law and why it says equity actually creates the law as it goes to provide remedy and to allow for situations uh, which is why you don't need actual statutes you gotta understand that the, the for instance we'll attack the legal person and what people think this is oh the legal person is a system of slavery once i associate with that legal person i'm now a slave that's false you gotta understand these because of the way that international laws have progressed and we got things like the International Covenant on Civil Political Rights. It now acknowledges that when you're born, you have a, a right to this to this earth, so to speak. Right? You have mm -hmm. a birthright. Um, even going back to the Statute of Westminster, 1933, where the British Crown was realizing, okay, yeah, we don't govern by divine right. Yeah, Queen Elizabeth or the king, whatever fuckhead was on the throne back then, doesn't actually own everything. According <laughs> to natural law, we're actually just trustees. Right? We're, we're actually holding this in trust for the people that really have the claims. They don't come forward. So what do they do to, to, to actually um, execute the law? They actually carried out the law by saying, okay, well, if none of these people want to come forward and claim their rights and claim their property, we actually have to create a trust to put this property in until they come and claim it because we don't own it and we, we can't hang on to it as if we're owners. So we're going to put it in trust. So they create these trusts, and these trusts are a resulting trust. What are they, why are they resulting? They result from the act of your, from the very uh, uh, act of your birth. We have a new beneficiary in the planet here. We have a new 
uh, man or woman that has a claim to all these resources and their share of everything. Okay, well, we have to act as proper trustees. We have to put this in trust for them. So we have a resulting trust by operation of law. So then all these, this, this entire system of commerce, uh, commerce then basically unfolds in front of you as a result of these resulting trusts to say, okay, well, how do we deal with all this? And that's why co commerce is actually a very living law that follows natural law as basically trying to provide the remedy for the people that want to that wanna act on all these naturally occurring things like your birth, right? Mm -hmm. So even though they did create this whole... Um, a completely separate but parallel jurisdiction, literally like a parallel parallel universe. They can't deal in God's, God's jurisdiction and God can't deal in their jurisdiction, right? He's no respecter of persons. Um, so this whole parallel system is something that has developed as a natural result of natural law to help us to try to manage our affairs. And, you know, gone are the days when you were born under a king or a lord and you just were their property. Um, that's not recognized anymore. So now when you're born in a certain landmass, you're, you're the, the live birth record is registered to make sure that whatever individual, whatever man or woman was, was born into this world, their claim is actually re recorded somewhere, right? So no one can come along later and say, hey, you stole all my shit. Well, no, hey, it's been in trust here for you, waiting for you to level up your character to where you know how to come and properly claim everything. Hmm. It's been mm -hmm. sitting here in trust. We're the trustees. We've got the accounting. We've got every dime and every penny accounted for. We, and they do. And they know what's going on. And they're waiting for people to figure out the game and to learn how to administrate their person properly. Because this system will only recognize your person ever. It does not recognize a man. It can't. So your person is actually not what you think it is. And it's not automatically pledged to the state. It's not automatically subservient to Michigan state. It's not automatically a U.S. citizen. You positioned your person into all of those things. And you can just as easily reposition your person out of it all and operate in any way you want. Um, what you can't do is you can't try to apply God's laws and God's, God's rules to your, your legal person. It's just your chess piece on the board. The board is commerce. You have a chess piece, right? And it's not—it's more than a chess piece. It's actually equal to everybody else's piece. It doesn't have special moves. You know, it can only do this. It can only go forward three and over one. You know, like it's—it's it's an equal chess—it's an equal checker piece to everybody else out there. You just have to learn how to operate it and learn that you only represent it. You speak for it. You act for it. Things are held in trust in that name. There's titles. Um, you can deposit titles into it. There's ways to operate your piece on the board of commerce. Um, hmm. And that's where our real remedy is not saying, fuck you, you know, I'm going back to being a man and God gave me this, this chunk of dirt and I'm going to get a gun and just shoot anybody that comes on it because there's way better remedy available to us. And the system really is quite neat when you start to understand that that actually is what's going on i used to rail against it. i fucking hated this i wanted to burn everything to the ground and say fuck it we're gonna just go back to tribalism if we have to to avoid how much i hated dealing with this bullshit right. um, and that's just your level of frustration because we don't know what's going on so we're trying and how do you try to do something you've never been taught to do and that's where the frustration and the, and the, the roadblocks and the, the setbacks and the, 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 the confrontations with the system. But as mm -hmm. I've said, I've seen enough now and I've had enough incidences happen where 
you know that they do respect this shit. They just really hope you don't figure it out because they really enjoy having a slave class of people. You're, you're, you're enslaved through ignorance alone. That's it. You're not enslaved because they forced this on you. You're enslaved because we were never taught the rules. We were never even taught there was a game. Most right. of the elites were. Their kids are taught this stuff from the point of young kids. They know what's going on. Sure, they know how to right. access and play the game. Mm-hmm. And that's a massive advantage for them while still not violating law or your rights. Your ignorance is not their fault. Right. They've. It's like they've created a slave class just by not teaching you how to play the game. They don't even have to, you know, they don't have to put you in shackles. <laughs> they don't have to haul you around. They don't have to feed you. They, they, they can just let you take care of yourself, but still they control. Essentially, you know, that's something I was thinking about, actually. Essentially, they're, what they're controlling is it feels like maybe ultimately is wealth accumulation. Because if you're not playing the game, you don't have the titles, the deeds, the property rights and whatnot. And they're constantly able to tax however much they want, uh, you know, or cite you or or you've got, you know, these fees and regulations that you're constantly they're just sucking the wealth out of out of you that way. And they're not allowing you or at least we're all kept in the dark about how to protect our property from this kind of behavior. Is that is that does that sound reasonable? (laughs) <laughs> that sound about right? Yeah, I mean, pretty much. Yeah, and that is their only real advantage. And uh, but one of the reasons I actually am starting to come out again now, and although I'm not going to be teaching what I'm doing, uh, and I don't need to because, of course, look, look at Derek. He's he's operating off of some things that he heard me say from a video probably eight fucking years ago. Right. And has just oh, well, I can just make my own this. I can do my own that. Right. I don't need to teach people what I'm doing because the remedy's all around you. It's all yeah. around you when you when you see the game. You're going to know how to literally start writing your own stuff and do your own things like that, right? And so it, it's really unnecessary. And not only that, but then if I if I try showing people, oh, look, here, just take this piece of paper, sign here, and fire this off to this office, right? We're just creating a whole other generation of ignorant people that aren't actually trying to understand how this system really works and the law. And then when they get a roadblock, oh, well, I know how to get around that because I see the game. It's not helping people to give them templates. I've always abhorred templates and said I will never give a template to people because that just creates a whole new ignorant class of people that's now dependent on you for the next step. And that's why there's so many gurus out there charging money saying, oh, okay, you want the next step now? That's going to be another $1,000. Oh, you want the next step? That's going to be another $1,000. I'm waiting for somebody to say that I've ever done that with them ever in my life. Um, because I don't want ignorant people. And by fuck, if I want to be liable or responsible for a whole bunch of people looking to me for answers, fuck, that's what a nightmare. I got enough to do with my life. I don't need a bunch of fucking dependent people that have never learned the system, you know, calling my phone 30 times a day saying, what do I do now? What do I do now? Now, where do now? What do I file? That's a fucking nightmare. I don't want to be that guy. So no thanks. I don't Um, charge for mine either. Yeah. And after I did that pro show, I was getting bombarded. You know, people want that quick, easy fix. You know, I got this big real estate stuff going on. I heard, you know, property law. How do I get out of this? Well, you can try this angle of approach. But really, dude, you got to learn how to dig in and understand what's going on before I can sit here and make all the decisions for you. You need to make them for yourself. You know, now I did yep. kind of think of a thing that might allow me to go into a courtroom for somebody is in the military. We use the thing called the power of attorney, which is trust. So you can almost use the power of trust law as a power of attorney to go and represent somebody else to handle their case for them. 
I might do that. I don't know if I'm going to do it yet. I'm, I got a little bit of practice to do first before I do anything crazy. Like right. Maybe I'll do like a traffic ticket or something, you know what I'm saying? But uh, <laughs> like like so many things Dean mentioned, man, the, the commercial thing, how did things get so commercialized? Well, after the Civil War came in for the U.S., we had the 15th, I'm sorry, the 16th Amendment was the next one, right? This one created the income tax for, for federal income tax. Um, now we have a corporate account that came out. So then came in Social Security, birth certificates, stuff like that. These birth certificates are printed just like a savings bond, just like them. They got that fancy border print around them. Right, they look yeah. Like idle to a vehicle or yeah. something, you know. <laughs> It looks just like it. And if you look on, for Americans, if you look on the bottom, it says, and I think you brought this up, Dean, in one of your old spiels, was it says on ours, American Banknote Company. So I, I called that company. I found them. I called them. I talked to the guy who uh, prints them out. He's like, yeah, the, uh, the, the Department of Human Statistics for each state will just tell us how many they need. We'll throw a serial number on there. Just the, the broad stuff. We don't put any personal info. Just ship it to the state. And it's it's. they also make credit cards. They make <laughs> all these other financial instruments. Wow. I'm like, there's no way this is not a commercial instrument. And then, you know, I right. heard rumors that it's being traded to IMF. It's being used as proof for our country to take out huge loans from who? I don't know. Rothschilds, maybe. Maybe that big dynasty that we're plugged into with the Federal Reserve which also came in directly after the Civil War and all those things I mentioned. Um, you know, when we, why do we have a republic? Why do we go from a monarchy back to the previous government before that, right? We went, <laughs> and I'm guessing it's because we're a new country starting out. We needed to quickly build a big military that could handle all the other superpowers in the world. What government did that the best? Republics did. Republics did that the best, right? But now we're at a point where, okay, we're the biggest, you know, we, we can go handle wars wherever we need to, but we lost a lot of rights in the process, so many. And republics aren't built to handle personal rights, you know. They're handled for power, for wealth, you know, conquering. So when we uh, lost our monarchy, we lost our, our uh, ability to hold the person in charge accountable which is actually what rule of law means. Hmm. A lot of people and lawyers are saying it the wrong way. It doesn't mean uh, when law's written on paper, that's rule of law. No, that's bullshit. What rule of law means is no matter who wrote it, no matter if the king ordered it, no matter if the person came up with the idea, it affects everybody. That's what rule of law means, right? We lost that when we traded for a republic again, which is what we have now. We don't have that. I can't, I can't uh, charge the president or the U.S. government with a crime. No criminal code at all. Interesting. Right? Yeah. Yep. You can't do it. You can't get them for fraud. You can't get them for killing anybody. You can't kill them for stealing. They they protected themselves really well. Um, and with that, when we had monarchies, we had more of a, a kin tour of a religion, some type of ethics and morality, right? towards what our society should be. When we became a freedom of religion type of country, it opened the doors for everybody to come in and express everything. And then with the rights protecting it, and it's like, well, the government's no longer going to attach to a specific religion. So 
it lost its own morality. The government itself is not operating on ethics anymore. It's operating as a corporation for profit. You will never see the U.S. government say, we're doing so good. We're going to lower taxes now, guys. Take a break. You know, uh, we're going to slowly give your rights back to you because you're, you're doing so well as people, right? Absolutely not. It's going to be more rights taken away, more money taken away because it's, it's a company, right? Mm-hmm. Now, after the Civil War, another big-ass movement came through the U.S., and that's Zionism. Zionism came in big and hard. We suddenly protected that Jewish community like it was gold, okay? And uh, this will bring you right up to World War II and what that was really about, if you look into it, um, with the Balfour Declaration after World War One and creating the State of Israel. Um, this is going to tie you right in with uh, the banking system we have now. And this is also what ushered all that usury right back into the U.S., all that taking loans off for interest and stuff like that, stuff that we were trying to avoid in our country for so long, but it just, it overtook. It's so powerful. And also after the Civil War, you know, before that, the Freemasons were being suppressed like crazy. Um, states were kicking them out. There was an anti-Mason party going on for campaigning in the United States before the Civil War. After the Civil War, Nobody say anything else about Freemasons. <laughs> it's like right. they they fought on both sides. It was kind of like a controlled opposition. So after the, that war, uh, I don't know. Freemasons are all good, I guess. And you know, public education came in right after uh, Civil War too, around 1920s ish. And that's that's when it stopped, man. That's when we stopped listening to our ancestors and our actual history. And let the government start teaching us what's really going on, and and that's that's what caused our demise for sure. And right. now we're, we're speaking up now, though the internet's helped bring that back. So, yeah, I mean, I it's like it's like you were talking about, Dean. The the education I think is clutch here, and people just don't understand the, the even the power that they actually have. Um, and then not understanding that they have this power, I mean, how are they going to stand up against? Especially when you got cops, you got judges, you got authority figures that are, you know, putting a lot of pressure <laughs> to conform to the way the system works. So uh, I don't know. You know, I just definitely agree with Derek on that education principle when people aren't taught that they are an individual and they can stand up for these rights and these freedoms. Uh, you know, wh- where does it go from there? It just it just harkens back to what you're talking about, the ignorance of people. Uh, really allowing they allow themselves to participate in a system that's basically sucking them dry of personal wealth that's kind of amazing to think about it's a slave system without having to have a slave just don't teach the people how to be free (laughs) well and this is where i was saying that um this is exactly where i was trying to touch on that instead of giving people a template and again, this is why I stopped talking to people because everybody just wanted a template. No one wanted yeah. to learn. No one wanted to effort. Nobody right. wanted to, to do the groundwork necessary. Uh, I've been very, very opposed to the public education system since my first videos where I've said, people, get your kids out of these fucking schools. Right. Get them out. Pull them out of these indoctrination centers. And now it's gotten so much worse than it was even 10 years ago, which was already a pathetic farce compared to 20 years before that. The only thing you learn in school now is that you you may not be a boy or a girl. 
and they're teaching anal sex in fucking grade one and two. And that, uh, you know, the UN manual on how to masturbate in kindergarten, like the, the people that are complaining because their kids might not be able to go back to school this fall are the fucking problem. You should be rejoicing that the schools are closed. You should be demanding. Yes. Yes. COVID-19. Let's use this excuse. Perfect. Keep those fucking things closed. And we're just going to home educate now. Yeah. Now get get your wife out of the workforce or 10 of you get together and have a couple of the parents do a home education. I just read a thing yesterday that every kid in the United States costs $15,000 per student in the United States to educate them uh, just to teach them that they probably don't have a gender. Okay. Pull your kids out of that system all together. Everybody put 10 families, build your own fucking school in someone's basement. Have your kids go there and pay one of the parents to be a teacher because you're going to do it for cheaper and you're going to do a better job than these, these institutions of fuck these communist institutions that they're using right now to just further enslave people right. and produce the most ignorant generation of people that has possibly ever lived on this planet. I mean, we think Antifa is bad right now. The kids that are five years old right now in the public education system that are starting off their first day reading a UN manual on how to masturbate and being told they're probably not a girl or a boy. What the fuck do you think? that those people are going to be like when they get to be 15 or 16 besides the fact they're going to have a suicide rate of 50 percent because they're going to be so fucked in the head so i'm just going to come right out and do what i normally tell people is if your kids are in public education you are a shitty fucking parent and don't give me any bullshit about oh we got to be able to afford our house and we have to have jobs because we got credit cards and bills and this and that and everything else right get rid of that shit your kids are more important get your kids out of school Start home educating, and if you don't make the effort to do that, you're a shitty fucking parent, and you deserve what's going to happen to your kids. You deserve to be stabbed by them when they're 12 because you allowed their heads to be so fucked with by the state. It's your fault. If your kids have a, a video game system at home right now, you're a shitty fucking parent. If you feed your kids something out of a box from the grocery store, you're a shitty fucking parent. You shouldn't have kids in the first place. All these things that, like, oh, yeah, but fuck, if you didn't have a video game, then I'd have to speak to them. Well, yeah, that's what called a parent's being. You got to raise your kids. You got to teach them to do things. Get rid of your fucking televisions. Turn that shit off. Cancel your cable bill. I told people nine years ago, if you have a cable bill or a satellite TV subscription, I will not even fucking speak to you because I have competition. I'm trying to fucking show you how to be responsible and how to educate yourself and how to learn your rights. Then you turn around, you go watch fucking Netflix. Okay, or you turn on your computer and you're a fucking subscriber to Pornhub. Any of those things, just fuck off. I don't even want to talk to you. Okay, you're already you're a shitty person, and the whole point is acknowledge you're a shitty person at least, and let's start there and let's start leveling up your character and start building you up. But the first point, the per, the first problem is people have to acknowledge they're a shitty person, right? I had my moment. Uh, I call it the looking in the mirror day, where you wake up and you you realize that you're actually pretty fucking dumb. You yeah. walk into the bathroom one morning, you look in the mirror and you're like, fuck, you are stupid. Like you really need to, to, to start educating yourself and figure out what's going on because you're a moron and this is all your fault. Okay. <laughs> Best day of my life. Acknowledging. Yeah. I'm fucking dumb and I got to do something about this. Right. And, uh, and that's where you start. And so you got to acknowledge that if you can't even acknowledge you're a shitty parent, you're not going to get very far. Like, yeah, you're right. I got to learn. I got to get rid of the TV. I got to start talking with my kids. I got to buy some books and have us reading books in the evening. Um, one thing I'll say, and of course I'm not going to be terribly public about it, but you, people used to say to me, yeah, but Dean, you know what? You don't have kids. You know what it's like. You're not married. You know what? As soon as you get all that kind of stuff, 
um, you're not going to want to you know, fight like you do right now. You're not going to want to you know, be the same way you're in the courts. You're not going to argue with cops. You know, uh, when you start having a wife and the kids, you're going to be like, oh, you know, I guess I better just like, you know, keep a low profile now because I'm so scared for my wife and my kids. And now I, I've got an excuse for my cowardice. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's changed. Uh, you know, since I've gotten out of jail and I've rebuilt my life, my company is bigger and better than ever before and doing four times the business it was ever doing. I've done all this in the last three years. Uh, so that's the third time in my life. Now I'll come back and fucking not having five cents to my name to be more successful than most people. I even fucking know. Uh, I'm now married and I have a child on the way and that's what's nice. made me come public again saying, yeah, you know what? fucking go time now because my kid's not going to fight this fucking battle. It's going to be done by the time they turn 16. Exactly. This is not going to be their fight. This is my generation's fight. Yeah. Fuck everybody. And I'm not going to hide behind a wife and I'm not going to hide behind a family. I'm not going to come up with excuses for cowardice. We need to fight this shit. And by that, I don't, I've never been a fan of rioting or, or, or even protesting. Right. I think you should shoot rioters on the spot. I don't like protesting. There's better ways to do everything. My concern is, is the amount of uh, uh, the, the, the amount of free speech is being attacked right now on the Internet and the, 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 the deplatforming of people, um, the, 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 the rise of communism in North America. This is a very terrifying idea to me. Um, you know, uh, that's one thing that I've now decided. Yeah. You know what? We got to come. We got to come forward. We got to make sure that we smash communism in north america because if the fucking commies get a hold of our nations no law is going to help you they those are the people that shoot you mm. we can't allow the commies to take over and that's my biggest gripe right now is yeah you know what all these fucking young kids that run around with their che Guevara shirts um especially fucking you know homos and lesbians that are fucking part of these uh antifa and lgbtq protests where they fucking got pictures of like che Guevara on their on their shirt don't even know that Che Guevara killed homosexuals and lesbians. He fucking rounded them all up and he shot them. These yep. for these useless idiots that are being used right now to try to batter down the, the, these nations that we've built to bring in communism in the name of social justice. These are the institutions that murder hundreds of millions of people and don't give a fuck about your rights. And that is a very scary proposition to me. And so it's time for everybody to wake up and go, no, you know what? We know that we've got all these other little things going on that we got to do. And, you know, the rest of us need to start educating ourselves. But in the meantime, if there's one thing we can't allow to happen right now, it's a communist, Bolshevik, socialist takeover of North America. This is international Bolshevism. And those fucking cunts, uh, Derek wants to talk about Zionism taking over. That's what Zionism is. It's international Bolshevism, and that's George Soros and the rest of those fucking evil cunts that do want to take over our nations and do want to steal the wealth for themselves by using useless morons like Antifa and BLM. That's why he's funding them. And those are the very institutions, just like Bolshevism in the Soviet Union, that has no problem killing 80 million people. They don't fucking lose any sleep over that. In fact, they get off on it. They sit around at night and they jerk each other off and they fuck mm -hmm. little kids just thinking about the idea they get to murder another 100 million people or more. And that's what's going on. And I don't give a fuck. Come fucking shoot me because I'm saying that. I just don't fucking care. I'm that saying just that goes to, to show you. Years ago. I don't fucking care. Well, I mean, I think I kind of want to go in this yeah. direction. So, so free speech. I was just going to say that that's the thing. Free speech is a big, big problem with this. Who can you not criticize? Sure. And 
what gets you deplatformed. And the fact that we even have something called deplatforming right now is very scary that, oh, you say something offensive and you get deplatformed. It's these really what it comes down to is these private societies, um, what people would call secret societies, uh, like Derek was saying there about the Freemasons and Freemasonry back in the, you know, before the Civil War. A lot of them have gotten a bad name because, um, you know, like the people, oh, everything's the Illuminati these days. It's just a popular term, right? Oh, it's the Illuminati doing it. Sure. These little catchphrases that have become popular. Um, and if it really was the Illuminati, believe me, you'd be deplatformed for speaking about them. So it's not them, but, but these private societies that exist for the sole purpose of benefiting their own members, not only we should we be not against these things, but we should look to that and say, hey, that sounds like a pretty good idea. Maybe we should all form our own little private societies instead of having these general open to the public, you're born, you, be, you know, that's the only qualification, uh, you know, uh, required for membership. Maybe we should, and I, so I've been promoting these ideas for a couple of years now, and I'm starting to go a little more public with it now to promote uh-huh. the ideas of people banding together and creating, taking their legal person, their ship in commerce, and pledging it to their own new private society they've joined within the nations that they're in, which must protect your right to do that. And we need to start building a society that that does require parents to educate their kids and has a basic minimum of education required or a basic standard for their own people saying, listen, you have to at least, you know, live up to a certain minimal standard uh, of being a civilized human being and educated, even be a member of our organization. And then our organization, which is a union, exists for the sole purpose of you know, uh, 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 moving our people forward, acquiring wealth, having, you know, uh, uh, having some say in what goes on in the world. And and why is that a bad thing? We've only been taught that that's a bad thing these days. It's not just because of a couple of assholes out there that are ruining it for everybody else, just like everything else we just talked about. There's only a couple of assholes out there ruining everything for everybody else. I had a feeling, I have a feeling if we rounded up maybe 5,000 people on this planet and shot them all dead, we would see a new way of life on this planet. There's probably 5,000 sure. people on this planet that are causing these problems. And right. I think it's less than that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it seems to go back to me to this old money, this old money scene that they're, they're involved in the whole corporate network and they're within the corporations and they own controlling interests in the corporations of, of the higher network. And I don't think it's even, I think it's just a, a like you're talking about, I mean, a variety of secret societies. There might be a couple of different competing groups, but they collude together on some level. Um, but I do definitely agree, and I wish that more people could be open to this, is that it's these wealthy people that are funding these communist revolutions. Because, you know, because the the dominant myth that, that everybody is told is that, like, there's capitalism versus communism, and they're, they're like, kind of fighting each other. But truly, but really, the these wealthy people that are atop the corporate system and these quote unquote capitalist systems are funding the communism because they want to impose communism. It's all about control. I mean, this is what we've been talking about really this whole, for the last almost two hours now, these are just the subtle ways that they have control. And, uh, you know, a, a communist or a socialist system, it's, it's a hundred percent control right now. They have kind of taken the legal system and they've, tweaked it so they can have control even though there's a foundation there we can fight against it um but then dean i also like this notion that you're talking about that like i don't think you know it's not going to succeed to directly attack a, a full frontal attack against against the state i mean you've dealt with this yourself dean right it doesn't end well um but 
I think that there's nothing. Uh, what are they going to attack if you're doing what you're talking about, which is forming your own private group collective and almost fighting fire with fire? I mean, just saying, hey, within this group, this is what we choose to do. And this is how, you know, we organize um, without ever having to fight these guys with the big guns directly. You know, uh, this sounds like a tactic that that could work. You know, suddenly your community is able to generate wealth between itself and you're protecting each other. And who cares what the rest of the world does, you know? <laughs> market share. What drives the market? Commerce, right? So the, the commerce is not the enemy. Commerce is actually a very mm -hmm. good thing. If anything, they're trying to destroy commerce right now. They want to remove. Here's the problem. They want to remove morality from commerce, right? So commerce is not a bad problem. So what's the standard that we have for, for, for our commercial nations that we've built that, that made them great and powerful? Is it especially in the United States, uh, you know, Britain, the Commonwealth, that kind of stuff? The, the level of morality that we set as the bar of how people should act um, was the fact that these were Christian nations. So the, you, you combine Christianity with commerce, you, you get a moral... Um, uh, standard of commerce that, that people would engage in kind of thing, right? So I, I look at the news yesterday and I see that uh, that Muslim there in the United States, uh, Ilhan Omar, she's now starting to table legislation to, to have all references to Christianity removed from law and removed from the Constitution of the United States and basically make it so that we are now a, a no religion uh, nation kind of thing, right? And that's if, if you want to talk about uh, capitalism with no morals, that's exactly what communism is, right? It's basically, it's uh, it, it's profit at the expense of everything with no morals whatsoever. It doesn't mm -hmm. matter if you rape, steal, murder, destroy the planet. It doesn't matter what it is. These kids that think that communism is this fucking flying unicorn rainbow lollipop land where fucking we all have social justice and everybody shares everything equally and everything's just fucking leprechauns distrib distributing coins to everybody of gold is fucking lunacy. I don't even know where they learned this shit because that's all the Soviet Union was under communism was capitalism at all fucking costs at the expense of absolutely everything. We don't care how many people we have to kill. Mm -hmm. We don't care how many fucking babies starve to death. We make money at the very top tier. That's what it was. Um, so that's the biggest problem is, as I see is, is removing the morality from capitalism. Um, and so that's why you see the attacks on religion and Christianity and capitalism lately. And of course, um, they want to destroy all the morals left in our society. I, I picked up on that right away with the LGBTQ movement. It had nothing to do with people being gay. No one cares if anyone and someone else is a homosexual. No one gives a fuck. But where is this movement actually headed? Now they're normalizing pedophilia. They really want to destroy the last of the morals that made our nations great in the first place. Right. So how do you do that? Well, like the most despicable thing I can think of is normalizing fucking children. And that's what they're doing now. It's now being normalized. Saying, oh, no, that's a valid sexual orientation to want to fuck kids. Um, I read another article today that Greece has now recognized that as a, uh, a mental illness. And you'll now be given uh, uh, like like some kind of like uh, uh, payments by the government if you if you suffer from pedophilia, which is now a recognized disorder of some kind. So I looked it up to make sure this was true this morning because it was in my news stuff feeds. Um, the first people to fucking get Greek citizenship now is Tom Hanks and his fucking female partner oh, there. Oh, the biggest, oh, oh. the biggest pedophiles in Hollywood are now Greek citizens as of today. They right. bought Greek citizenship to try to get away from, uh, you know, from being uh, hung as pedophiles. Wow. So 
this is the shit we need to be aware of. And this is why we have to be against that. And we got to flip this whole movement upside down itself, you know, where they, they're trying to say that, oh, if you're against pedophilia, you hate homosexuals. And I think that's hateful in itself to link homosexuals to pedophiles and you know, almost allude to the fact that they're one and the same. Right. So some of the stuff I've seen online now is as soon as somebody says, you know, you know, oh, who do you vote for? I'm voting for Trump. Oh, you're a racist. Well, why? Who are you voting for? I'm voting for Joe Biden. Well, then you're a pedophile. Pick your you know, we got to turn pick all this shit around. Pick what pedophile you want. You know, sorry, pick, I don't, yeah, pick your pedophile, <laughs> right? <laughs> I don't that's, support that's pedophiles, right? Yeah, I don't support yeah, pedophiles, you know, right? Online, all the time. Sorry, go A lot ahead, of what you're talking about, too, Dean, uh, this is this is a big plan. It's been in step motion um, from the Rockefeller Foundation drew up. They drafted this plan. I don't know if you guys know about it or not. Called Lockstep, mm-hmm. and it was drafted up in like 2010. Uh, if you've got viewers that haven't heard about it yet, definitely get it, download it, print it, read it, because this is almost exactly what's going on in America and other countries around. Um, ID 2020, the stuff with Bill Gates, you know. We're trying to move into a cashless society. The COVID shit's the precursor to us getting, you know, immunizations that can hold our vaccination record. That's what COVID, I think, stands for, a certificate of vaccine identification. And then you have uh, the cashless society. At one point, Bill Gates was saying, we don't want you shopping outside of your county. So we're going to have RFID tracker on you where you won't have access to your funds if you go too far away, I'm like, that's fucked. But uh, at, yeah. right now here in the U.S., the banks are, well, the Federal Reserve decided they're going to stop coining. So they're going to stop making coins. All the banks are now hurting on coins. They can't get them to the stores and the stores are trying to make change. So a lot of stores now are telling the customers we can't accept um, cash or we, or we can just come up to the next thing, you know, maybe give you an in-store credit or something like that. We're already moving towards this, whether we want it or not. So we need to start preparing for the next step to happen, you know, and start, hey, you got commune going on? Right. Great. Go ahead, Dean. I was just going to say that what you just described right there is basically we have to stop with the defensive plays. We have to stop with uh, with they they move and we counter move in a defensive way to just try to not be a part of what they're doing. And this is mm-hmm. I, I had did a video with uh, my friend Willow Proctor there uh, in Germany. It's up on YouTube. Uh, um, I haven't really pushed it around a whole lot, but uh, and we we speak about this is that we, we aren't really proactive right now. And that's what we have to become is because we keep being victims of somebody else's future that they're creating because we're not creating ones of our own. We're not creating our own private societies. We're not linking up with other groups that have formed to say, yeah, we'll do business with each other only and boycotting these other fucking cunts, using our own cryptocurrencies if need be. There's so many ways that we can produce and manufacture and trade with one another and form our own unions and form our own currency. I don't give a shit if it's a digital currency. I'm not scared of digital currency. But let's build something for us. Let's build the platforms for us. We're not right. being proactive enough. That's yeah. not my strong suit. You know what I do? I build shit. I want to have a ranch and I want to make food and, and have cattle and grow grow stuff. You know what? But we need people that are going to build cryptocurrencies. We need specialists in these areas to come on board and say, yeah, we can do this. I'm the guy to do this. You build me a house and you provide me with beef and I'll build you an entire crypto system. Now we have an economy. Now we have a union. Now we have people working together. We're building our own future instead of being victims of some other fucking cunt's mm-hmm. future they're building right now. 
And this is why people are ready for this idea now to say, yeah, you know what, we have to do this or we are ultimately going to be victims of somebody else's system they're building right now. And that is the way out is to build shit for ourselves. Quit being scared of some of these things and say, yeah, you know what, technology is advancing. We're not always going to have coins and paper money. You know what? It's great. It actually works fantastic. Let's make sure we build one of these systems controlled by us for our benefit, not one of those child fucking cunts that, uh, that is making it for us to make sure it's the only one available to us. And we have plenty of opportunity still to get that done now before it's too late. We'll go back to using that wooden nickel money. You know what I'm saying? Let's just start carving our own coins and shit. Right. (laughs) Well, I want to, and we probably should be wrapping it up here. It's been two hours, but I did want to kind of have this discussion. And since you brought it up, Dean, it's in the media, it's the same way in the, in pharma, it's the same way. I mean, I'm interviewing doctors and I'm participating in the independent media ourselves. And I did think about this as I was getting ready for this interview with you guys, because you're essentially doing for the legal system, what I'm doing for the for the press, what these doctors that I'm doing, and I have the same problem that you do. We have conversations when I talk to other people who are making content like I am. Why are we always responding to the mainstream narrative? The mainstream comes out with something, and we're responding to them. And it's like we need to be talking about what we we just need to be building something else, man. I don't want to fight them. I'm done. I don't even care. You know, they want to. I don't have a lot of sick friends. It's not a big problem for me in my life right now so i'm not going to freak out about it the mainstream media may want everybody to freak out about something that's not affecting my life that much so you know let's talk about something else i just i mean we can talk about masks all day on facebook you know but let's do i'm just excited about this idea that you're coming up with like somehow if you're thinking differently we can have we have people like you guys that have a legal system they understand you know that understands how an actual, an honorable system of law works to protect people's individual rights. You know, we have people that can build a, a cryptocurrency or or friggin' whittle, you know, wooden dowels that we can use as a currency. We don't need to use their currency. Let's just start thinking about how we can make these solutions happen. And everybody can plug in how they want. How is it going to be... How is it going to be our future unless we're creating the narrative? Yeah. It's not going to be our future yeah. unless we build it, unless we create the narrative. And I mean, I've been, uh, um, I, I just made sure I got the name right. I mean, the, the, the one I'm talking about this was from about two months ago, the Peace Street Show with Willow on YouTube. It's there. It's about a two hour interview. I'm kind of talking, touching on the same things. Okay. Because Willow is one of the people I'm coordinating with now, as well as Amanda Vollmer in Ontario. She's, uh, she's the person who's big with DMSO and big with natural healing uh, online. She's got uh, mm-hmm. you know, Yum Naturals online there as well, too. She's a natural path. She's on board with us. We're working with so many people now that we're trying to get everybody together, say, and all these different specialists from all these different areas are now saying, yeah, let's all start working together. And we've already got these people. We're starting to coordinate, of course, behind the scenes, because there's no reason to be public with what we're doing. But that's why we need our own private societies and people to contact us and say, yeah, let's do this. We can do this. I can do this. I got skills. What do you need? What can you do for me? That kind of shit, right? Right. All these people being deplatformed. Why the fuck don't we have our own platforms then? It's 2020. You're trying to tell me we can't build a fucking platform? Yeah. I don't know how to do it. I can build a wooden platform. I'm a carpenter. That's what I do. But I don't know how to build an online platform. But if it was there, I'd fucking use it. Right? Yeah, That's right. the exchanges we need to do with everybody and get this stuff going. Why don't we have our own Twitter? Why don't we have our own Instagram? Why don't we have our own fucking YouTube? Oh, they banned my YouTube channel. What the fuck are you doing on YouTube? Right. Why don't we have our own? 
Yeah, I'm right there with you. I mean, I think there is a possibility. I think you're onto something where we, because this, this, you know, this enemy is so powerful. These, these corporate forces, I mean, these guys have nuclear bombs, you know, what are we supposed to do? Um, but I think it's totally possible to just, you know, to just unplug and start working with your buddies and build. Yeah, I else. apply a lot of principles that I learned from living in a military community too. Um, in our own subdivisions, we'll have uh, our central resource center. Everything's free in there. You go get what you need. You know, we help each other out. Um, we have gated communities. We have guards. Um, the, we learned a lot in the military how to actually run a neighborhood yeah, and not have to rely on police. We don't like police in the military, to be honest. We'll, we'll give them just as much pushback. But, uh, you know... I want to set it up. I think schools need to get moved back to the neighborhoods mm-hmm. taught by parents, taught by ancestors, um, you know, central resource center. We don't need to have 50 fucking lawnmowers in a neighborhood when we only mow once a week. You know what I'm saying? Like there's so much we could pull and save in on. We have mechanics that could be teaching youth how to fix vehicles. We have carpenters that you, if you want to move into my neighborhood, here's what it is. We're going to build your house for you. You're going to move in, but we have things that we need you to do while you're here. You know, come help work at the, the civic center in the middle right. neighborhood where, where your elderly is staying when you can't take care of them 24 seven, you know, like there's so many things we can pull everything together. And if pe- people have to be willing to pet, to pack up and leave Babylon, just pack up and leave and join something new where you have a community um, doesn't matter how small it is, but you're concentrating on proper health, proper nutrition, anti-vaxxing, learning real things like mechanics, like you said, learning how to build houses from the time you're eight years old, you get your first tool belt while you're being home educated in the evenings by your parents, no fucking TVs, no YouTube, no video game systems. Unless somebody's prepared to do that. I don't want to fucking talk to you because you're, you're, you're lukewarm, right? You, you don't really want out of the existing world, but, but you, but you think you're going to be safe in ours, right? So people really need to choose what, what do you want? Do you want to see through what's going on right now? Or do you want to help build something new that's actually going to benefit, you know, man mm-hmm. and, and, and raise the bar for our civilization instead of continually lowering the bar to allow anybody in. And I like what you said there about the, uh, you know, Operation Lockstep there. Uh, if you really want a fun one, look up the Kalergi Plan. What's it uh, called? The Kalergi Plan goes back to 1880. It's called the, I think it was called, it's the Kalergi Plan. Kalergi. I can't remember the exact spelling. I was going to look it up there, but it's called the Kalergi Plan. It was uh, developed in Eastern Europe uh, uh, sometime. I think it was late 1800s. might have been the early 1900s. And the whole point of the plan was is to slowly bring Europe and all of North America into a situation where you have unlimited and uncontrolled immigration from third world nations to Mm -hmm. break down our civilizations that we've built to then dominate them because then you don't have anybody that's able to band together and create a united front against the bankers and the people that want to overthrow you because we're we're also fighting against ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, no nationalism. You don't have anything that you're attaching to. If you have no nationalism, you got nothing to protect, you know. You might as well just That's let any country come and stop through. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a tactic. It's the ultimate divide and conquer. You guys, this is about all the time I got. I really yeah, yeah. appreciate everything. Dean, amazing guy, man. You you really helped me, inspire me appreciate to do what I've that. done. And, and uh, hopefully we can continue. Uh, I want to stay in contact I, with you. Maybe there's ways I can help you out and vice versa. Yeah.
No, I love the fact that there's people still that have followed up with the work that we were doing in 2011 and 12, even after Mm -hmm. I I did my jail and then took my hiatus. People have carried that forward. It actually did change people's lives. Believe me, there's days I wake up and I'm like, fuck, why did I do all that? Like, I basically just wrecked six years of my life and set myself back to nothing. But uh, then you realize, no, this did have an impact on people and really made this movement move forward. It was worth it. And now we got a much better ground to start on to continue forward and keep building on this so it makes it all worth it when i hear this kind of stuff i love yeah. hearing that right on appreciate it man so if anybody uh if anybody wants to find out more about your work derek is you want them to check out your youtube channel maybe or is there some other place they uh, could go if they want to learn more i mean even if go to my, yeah they can go to mine right now if they want it's just mm-hmm. my name d-e-r-e-k-s-y-r-o-k-a uh, but I'm going to be switching it over to a new one that's going to have all the originals because I've got interviews I've done with a Freemason exposing a lot of stuff, but he made me move them all to private. So now I'm going to start a new channel that's hooked up to a website that he's not going to be able to take away. Mm-hmm. All right. So. Sounds good. And uh, Dean, if people want to find out more. Or even if, um, you know, if they want to educate themselves about the whole concept, like where does somebody start? Just if they've listened to this now and they want to learn more, you know, for themselves. Yeah. Well, like I say, I've I've really gotten away from a lot of the law stuff with teaching people that. That's we get to that stuff as well too. But I'm really looking for people first that want to be net contributors to an organization or to a, to a community, so to speak. Right? People that uh, it's like it's like a benefit of being a member is that uh, you'll be brought up to speed eventually in what we're doing, and you get afforded some of the immediate protections of it. Um, we have the website, uh, you know, Earth SC uh, online. They can find us. It, I'm not hard to find at all. It's on my Facebook banners, you know, uh, Earth SC, um, which is just short for Earth Stewardship Cooperative, right? I'm easy to find on YouTube. I think I still got 6,000 subscribers on a YouTube channel. I haven't put a new video out on probably seven years. I, right. <laughs> I'm going to put out a couple of new ones, but uh, really. People have to come through the site first because what I've done is I got a really good solid group of core people now who are moderators on our newest site, which is a very private site. And, uh, you know, they, they kind of weed out some of the, the people that we probably just don't have time for right now that just want to come on board because they need help with the traffic tickets. So sure. um, we're around. We got an organization. And uh, if you get involved, you'll find us. You'll find me. We're out there. Um, you're not going to be able to email me tomorrow and, tomorrow and ask me how to help with the traffic ticket. All those means of communication have been eliminated because uh, I got better things to do right now. And I, I need the time to concentrate on what I'm building in the background to make sure that we have the platform we need in the real world to hire people. So when people get doxxed and fired from their jobs, we're hiring. We have places for people to come live. We have that now. So, you know, you want to hit the escape button? We're here. All right. Sounds great. Well, I really appreciate uh, that the two of you came on for this roundtable discussion, and uh, I just appreciate the work. You know, it's just like you're talking about the, the how how much people need to educate themselves. There's probably as many avenues towards you know this kind of legal liberation path as there are individuals, depending on where you are. You know, uh, the legal situation in your area, uh, what your particular situation is, and so you know, just like we were talking about the putting it on to all the individuals to learn more about this themselves and so that they can figure out for themselves just exactly how to stand up for their rights in court. Um, really important. And because the two of you have already done a lot of that work, there's a resource out there for people to start checking it out if they want to learn more. So again, really thanks for coming on the program and uh, you guys have a great day. Good luck out there.
All right. Good talking to both of you and we'll all talk again soon privately. All right. Take care. Well, all right, everybody. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. I got to tell you these, uh, these freedom law guys, um, it sounds really far out, but when you get into the real legal history of it all, I think there's a, a little bit of something to it. We can kind of talk all day long about whether or not it's really worth it to confront the, the government apparatus in this way. Um, but believe it or not, you know, these legal systems have foundations based in, in commerce, common law, um, you know, situations where people would come together and arbitrate out differences and it developed a system uh, of law based on protecting individuals' rights and um, honoring different contracts that people made uh, of their own free will. And so there is a foundation there uh, of protecting people and protecting people's individual rights. And it has, I think, been twisted, as these guys said, over time uh, to allow for uh, other powerful organizations to impose themselves so that you know, your home is no longer your castle, but you do uh, pay a rent to the government in terms of property taxes. If you can't afford the property taxes, uh, then the government is going gonna, is gonna to take you away, throw away the key. <laughs> but fighting these guys uh, straightforward with this tactic, um, as noble as it is, and believe me, I think these guys uh, have a really profound sense of justice, and I actually have great respect. Dean Clifford ended up doing jail time for doing this. Uh, it does take... Uh, a lot of personal strength to go up against the system in this way and uh, a real dedication to the ideals of uh, individual liberty and individual sovereignty uh, in order to stand up in court and stand up against these judges and these police officers that are extraordinarily intimidating and even be willing uh, to endure loss of freedom um, like Dean did in order to uh, make your point. <laughs> so... Uh, hopefully we're kind of learning and figuring out ways uh, where we don't have to confront the legal system quite so directly. Uh, maybe if enough of us did do this, it would overwhelm the system and, and it could be a path. Uh, but uh, just a real interesting conversation overall. And I certainly admire these guys uh, for the research and the time that they've put into learning about this. I mean, one of the things that really kind of opened my eyes to uh, studying and researching for this interview is that a lot like you know, I'm working on this uh, this media podcast here and I'm doing research and I'm putting out a different message than you'll get in corporate media or a lot of the doctors that I've interviewed, for example, have separated from the corporate pharmaceutical system and are finding cures uh, with natural supplements and non-patented treatment protocols that are working way better than these pharmaceutical protocols. Uh, so these guys with the legal system have been able to look at it and say, hey, if we step back outside of this corporate legal system, we do have a foundation, a legal foundation to fight for our rights here. So um, it's really in interesting information to have and really interesting uh, just to learn and to contemplate the rights that you should have as a, a sovereign individual walking the earth, You know, a free person on the earth. If we really took freedom to that place, where we are allowed to make these choices for ourselves and we're allowed to engage in self-defense when uh, we are unjustly attacked, then uh, where does that take you? And guys like Derek Soroka and Dean Clifford are taking it to that place. So more power to them. Really enjoyed that conversation and uh, I hope you did too. Um, just to give out the, the contacts one more time, you can find out more 
about Dean's work at earthsc.org. That's the intentional community that he is starting up in Canada. If you want to participate in helping him out with that, then check out his website, earthsc.org, or on the Dean Clifford YouTube channel. Derek right now is working out of uh, his YouTube channel, so you can check it out. It's just his name, Derek Syroka, on YouTube. I've been your host. My name is Doug McKenty. You can find my work at The Shift with Doug McKenty on YouTube and Facebook. I'm at D. McKenty on Twitter. And my website is www.theshiftnow.com. And also, as always, uh, thanks to producer Rob Rubin for doing this. Uh, you can find out more about Transparent Media Truth at transparentmediatruth.com and find all the roundtables uh, either on the website or on the YouTube channel, which is also called Transparent Media Truth. So thanks again for listening. Uh, we've got a great one coming up next week. Uh, it should be a round table. We've got uh, Dr. Judy Mikovits coming back with Sherry Tenpenny, uh, Dr. Charles Pixley, and Dr. Richard Fleming. So we're going to have a round table of doctors uh, with a lawyer as well, Ron Chapman, uh, to talk about whistleblower doctors and uh, some of the legal recourse that they may have when they do choose to step outside of the corporate system and deal with some of the repercussions that inevitably occur. So we hope to see you guys back next week. And again, hope you enjoyed this episode and hope you have a really great rest of your day. Take care. The opinions and ideas expressed in this roundtable discussion do not necessarily reflect the views of transparent media truth, but only those of the speakers participating in the discussion. Under the copyright disclaimer within Section 107 of the Copyright Act of 1976, allowances are made for fair use of public content for purposes such as criticism, comment, news reporting, teaching, scholarship, and research. Fair use is a use permitted by copyright statute that might otherwise be infringing. Nonprofit, educational, or personal use tips the balance in favor of fair use.